right, so let me do this here while I'm waiting for confirmation from everyone that we're feeding out. Look, check it out. Um, this is this is the front yard of Babyface P. <laughs> the van, the van is over at Babyface P's place right now. <laughs> um, and we're definitely running the cable in here for the internet. So first thing I want to do, tell everyone, go to hankstrange.com, sign up for the email list over there. Uh, very important. That's the dot com is the way that you'll be able to keep in touch with us. So you guys really um, need to do that out there. Um, look around the site. We've got all the different platforms we're on. We've got, uh, you know, we've got merchandise, all that kind of good stuff. Lola has Lola's deals up there. There's links to Stranger Palooza. If you're into car, I guarantee you that Dan is going to talk about car stuff. What? How much you want to bet? We could bet money. But Stranger Palooza is where I actually put up my car content. I have a car video that I'm editing over here on the side right now while I'm talking to Dan. <laughs> so we're going to get into all of that, but that's where you need to go, HankStrange.com. Big thanks to Franklin Armory for sponsoring this podcast. I appreciate the folks over at Franklin Armory. They think outside of the box. They make uh, awesome binary triggers, but they make a lot of other solutions for gun guys out there in different states. I mean, you know, Second Amendment should be everywhere, Dan, but, you know... Unfortunately, it, everyone doesn't have access to it, and Franklin Armory works on that stuff. So we appreciate it. Okay, so we got Dan here. Let me see if I can do my open. Is my open scene going to work here? Oh, no. Okay, uh, let's see if we try. Oh, this is crazy. My opening scene. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to just hit play here and get it going. Welcome back to the Hank Strange situation. All right, guys, Lifestyle thanks for joining us. Make sure you subscribe, smash those thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live, and we are live. Um, this is episode 738 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. We have joining us Second Amendment advocate and author extraordinaire Dan Wass. He writes Good Guy, uh, Good Gun. I, know, I, I knew I was going to mess this up. Did it right away. Uh, like everyone else, Good Gun, Bad Guy series of books, and uh, he's joining us. Dan, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Hey, thanks, Hank. I got to say, you have the coolest name, Hank Strange. You know, that's a rock and roll name. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. You, you know what? It's actually, you know what? People do say that. It's actually a hip-hop name to be. That's where uh, I got I it from. Yes. That's not my government name. It's not my government name. Don't tell, <laughs> don't tell anyone that. But yeah, Hank Strange is a hip-hop thing that I've had around right. for a long time. And uh, longer even than I've been doing gun stuff. And I, I was looking at some other shows you did with other guys. Like, what was it? Uh, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, I think? Great guy. Charlie Cook, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, and, um, and I saw something else you did with... I'm trying to remember his name from... Uh, Florida Carry. We, we saw him this a uh, couple weekends ago. Um, I, I do the uh, Daily Bullet and the Weekly Bullet with Paul Lathra from okay. uh, Second Amendment Foundation. He's also involved with Florida Carry. Okay. Um, I've I've done a lot of I've done the all yeah, the yeah. NRA TV shows when the, when yeah. the guys are on NRA TV with Dana Lash and with oh, okay. Grant Stitchfield and all those. Uh, I've done Sean Hannity's show. I've I've done um, wherever the there was, where, there was a gentleman I'm trying. Have, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm, oh man, I, I can't believe I know who it is, but uh, the name has slipped me. He he looks like he's either Latino or black, mixed like I am, something like that. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh man, now uh, someone's someone out there is gonna let me know. But I saw him. He was at the show, 
and he had a whole bunch of cameras set up and he's kind of he's kind of like a, a husky dude like actually works out and stuff like that not like me i'm oh, talking about craig? craig deleuze deleuze <laughs> yeah craig cool guy i like craig he's a good guy yeah that went totally out of my mind this is my first time <laughs> meeting him he, he's an awesome dude man well, hey, I met a lot of good people down there in yeah. Florida. Yeah. You know, a lot of good people in that or, in that organization and mm -hmm. and just in the Second Amendment community to just in general. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's hard to find, you know, people who 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 don't uh, who you don't have to share the same views with. Occasionally there's one or two, you know, kind of <laughs> there's one or two every once in a while in any group, but <laughs> yeah, some people go part, rogue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but no, for the most part all all good people down there. Mhm. Mm yeah, that was actually that was that was actually a pretty cool show, and we did it at Runaway Campers, right? That's right. That's what it was called. Yes. Yeah. Uh, big shout yeah. out to Runaway Campers. Uh, I don't think we can give Runaway Campers a big enough shout out. They are going to be in a video that I do, and let me see if I could let me see if I could pull up Runaway Campers for you guys. But Runaway Campers in Florida, in Ocal, it's in the um, villages area. And the owner is a gun guy and took some risks to actually have that as the venue where some people were attacking him publicly and stuff like that because he was hosting it. But it's a really cool place. Yeah, and you know what was interesting? I saw their campers, the, those little those little tiny campers, and it was just enough to sleep a couple of people. And it was this little kind of dome-shaped little mm -hmm. camper you, you, you tow behind your car or whatever. I'd never mm -hmm. seen one like that, but just enough to – just enough to sleep in. It'll look pretty. Yeah, it almost looked like the size of a pop-up tent, really. Yes, I am actually rolling in some footage um, right now, and there was yeah, these are really cool and very affordable, and you could build them out however you want to. And they haven't paid me or anything like that. They don't need to. I will spend as much time as I can um, helping to promote these guys. And if you're looking for them, just go to Instagram. It's Runaway Campers, and they have tons of really cool pictures and videos and examples of their campers on there and they're not and I, and I don't know if you could see this or not Dan but I was just rolling I was just rolling in um, some footage from my phone um, of runaway campers IG if you guys go over there thank the those guys for supporting the Second Amendment uh, that's really awesome really you know and they're making a cool product affordable you buy it you can tow it pretty much behind anything and then you can build it to what you need it to be so yeah I don't I don't know what they cost, but they look kind of cool for somebody who just wants a, a something to sleep in. Like they're, we they're, have yeah. a, mm -hmm. go ahead. Oh no, well we have a, a big you know twenty six foot camper that we use, and that's great because it's got all the you know got everything you need in there. But mm -hmm. uh, if you just need something to just to tow behind a car, even um, they looked they looked really yeah they're, they're perfect. They're, yeah, they're well built, um, and so they're all like fiberglass mold, I believe. So there's no leaking. That stuff is going to last pretty much forever. Um, if you're familiar with like fire, I mean, obviously you could crack it, you know, you could mess it up, but it's, it's, it's less likely to leak and all that kind of stuff if you keep it in good shape. So Hank, when did we be, when did you and I become, you know, camper salesmen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's your, so I've got a van. That's what I'm doing this out of. There's my van right there on the Stranger Palooza logo. And it's a, Mine is a 2020 Ford Transit chassis, but it's a 2021 Coachman Beyond that I'm in. What do you have? Oh, well, for vehicles, I've got um, 
I've got a, a, a Dodge Ram pickup truck that I love to death. Uh, the oh, thing yeah. is just fantastic. And it's got the Hemi engine. It's fast. It's the yeah. fastest truck I've ever owned. Mm -hmm. I've also got uh, a couple Corvettes. I've got a, mm -hmm. a 2000 Corvette that's uh, it, it's a fire breather, too. It's, it's mm -hmm. super fast. Um, I've got a 78 Silver Anniversary Corvette. Um, oh, that Corvette guy positive. here. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, I've had probably about 20 Corvettes. Wow. So I, yeah, I, I restore cool. them as a mm -hmm. hobby. It just turned out as a kind of a hobby. You know, I've had all mm -hmm. the a lot of the C3 Corvettes. I don't know, I don't know how much you know about Corvettes, Hank. We could talk about Corvettes all I'm day not, long. Yeah, but. I'm not a big Corvette expert, but I am a fan of Corvettes. Um, I always wanted to go to the Corvette Museum in Kentucky. Oh, I mean, these are some American-made cars, and they're they're yeah. amazing. And even like, uh, you know, what was it like? Even before, like right now, we're in the C8. Before the C8, was it C7 or? Yeah. 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 Those, yeah. yeah. I'm a fan and, of and a lot of Corvettes, and the Stingray obviously is iconic. Yeah, and I think when everyone when everyone says the Stingray, what they're usually referring to is the C3. It's the third generation, and that went from '68 to '82. Mm -hmm. And if you can get the early, the late 60s, early 70s mm -hmm. one, I think up until 73, you get the chrome bumper ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, those were the, those were my favorite. Yeah. You know, I had so, a 69, a 70, uh, oh, okay. I, I had a bunch of those. So, You're a um, New York guy, right? Yeah, but don't hold that against me. No, no, no listen, I'm, I'm from New York fault. also, I'm, but I'm from Far <laughs> Rockaway, Queens. What part ah, of New York okay. are you from? Uh, I live in upstate New York in uh, okay. Saratoga Springs. People might okay. know Saratoga Springs from the the racetrack, the harness track. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we're known for. We're right at the foot of the at the bottom of the south side of, or, yeah, so, um, south side of the Adirondack Mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful place up here. You know, yeah. un unfortunately, we're we're living under uh, under a lot of rules and regulations that I don't particularly care for, but yeah, that's why I don't live in New York anymore. But uh, I mean, lots of horse racing in New York. Far Rockaway, the closest track I think is Aqueduct. Like I, I remember growing up going to Aqueduct Racetrack. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. in Queens. I was in Queens, geez, probably a couple months ago, mm -hmm. uh, with a friend picking up um, a Mustang. His name is Anthony. He'll probably be watching this. And we mm -hmm. picked up his Roush, his Roush Mustang. Now I'm uh, not a big Ford. Guy. I'm not a big Ford guy, but this car is pretty cool. Those, those things are beastly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we picked that up in Queens, and, and Queens was uh, New York. You know, New, New York City is not kind on on. It was on long, I'm sorry, it was Long Island. I'm long getting Island. my my boroughs mixed up. I guess is okay. Long Island even a borough? I don't even think Long Island's a borough, is it? Yeah. Uh, no. Or is uh, it? Long Island. Yeah, Long Island is its own thing. Because you what's got, the five got, boroughs? I think I know you, you got, got Manhattan, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Manhattan. the Bronx, Queens, and Long, uh, no, Staten Island. I don't know. Well, that's a good question. I should what, I should know that. What does Long? Because I know. Okay, for some someone's gonna be someone from New York is gonna be so mad. Yeah. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. Like so, Far Rockaway falls into Queens, but it's on the border of Long Island. Okay. So I don't. You know what? That's a good question. That I probably I knew the five. answer to a long time ago. <laughs> Brooklyn, uh, yeah, Brooklyn, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, the Bronx, Bronx, Staten Island, Staten Island, Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan. That's the five boroughs. Long, yeah, okay. Long Island has five towns. I remember okay. that. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows about five towns. Like I used to work at a place called Inwood Country Club. That's kind of right there on the border of, of Queens and Long Island and in what they call Five Towns, the Five Towns okay. area. So it's like a very, uh, I don't know if it's still there, probably is, but 
Um, and it actually looks out, I think, at Jamaica Bay, where where you can where you can see uh, JFK Airport. But ah. it belongs. It was like a Jewish country club for wealthy uh, Jewish guys, and I worked there. And it was literally like the movie Caddyshack, dude. Oh wow! <laughs> Every time I see that movie, I remember. I literally, I was a golf caddy. I used to ca carry bags around, and then I worked in the locker room. And I get flashbacks, and I get uh, shell shocked. <laughs> wow. yeah, I, and it's funny how how people we mm. meet, uh, whether they're in the Second Amendment mm. world or wherever, mm. and we and we talk about some of our past and the things we we've, we've done as jobs and stuff. It's just it's really funny how we all end up here um, mm. and have such a different uh, path. We had yeah. such a different. In life, you know, it's, it's, that, that stuff is interesting to me. Me too, me too. And I don't plan how we have these conversations. I like to let them flow and get into whatever they get Good. into. John Crump gave us five bucks. Thank you, John. He's a friend, a compatriot, a co-worker of yours. Great, yeah. great guy, John Crump. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, awesome dude. Awesome dude. Uh, he says Long Island is not a part of New York City. So there you go. Question <laughs> answered. <laughs> We've been correct. <laughs> yeah, smash those thumbs ups out there. So we're talking about cool jobs that we did. I know when I was looking at stuff about you, you were some kind of you. You were in a rock band or something like that, right? That was that was my entire life. From the time I was nine years old, I first picked up a guitar. And um, I played guitar turned into like a third arm for me. It was just guitar has always been a huge part of my life. I toured in rock bands. Uh, and, and by the way, all those stories you've heard about rock bands on the road, mm -hmm. it's all true. Every what era What era, uh, uh, What era? era did you grow up in? Sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt yeah. you. I'm very yeah. interested in this. What rock I era? A, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was pretty much an 80s guy. So, 80s, all right. Uh, I, okay. So I was, I was in that hair band era. Oh and, no! Um, hair band. Yeah, I yeah. was I was in the hair band. And I can show you. Actually, I'm in my home office right yeah, now. Yeah, let's Give see me a little pictures. Me. Let me let's, see if I can show you a few oh, guitars here. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Uh, we have musicians who are out there all the time. Well, uh, let me see what I got. Oh, I've got, oh, oh! I've got a few here that I can show you. Oh wow! So I've got some Les Pauls on the top. Oh, I've got wow. this Crank and Jackson that will. It's like butter. Wow. Um, I've got my two my two cream of the crop up there. That's a 1989 black standard, mm -hmm. and then a 2000 cherry sunburst Les Les Paul classic. Look at that kiss um, alive right there. Oh, I'm a big poster. kiss fan too. So yeah. I yeah yeah. And then down here I've got I've got a few. These are cool. Wait, hold on a second. Did you freeze? I've been an ice man. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway, so, so, yeah, so you were showing us what was on the bottom. You froze up a, for a second oh, there on the bottom. Let's see here. Um, we've got we've got an Ice Man. I've got an acoustic. Um, yeah. We've got a, there's an Epiphone Les Paul Jr. You know, just yeah. The the, the the my favorites are on the top, but um, yeah, everyone's um some. Let's see, people are recognizing those absolutely. Chris Bullis says, "I see in a Ibanez, Ice Man, Gibsons from uh, yeah. Kathleen Music Lover." Um, yeah, that um, that white one there is a clone Les Paul, and there's a story behind that one. Boy, I wish I had my office a little cleaner. I could, mm -hmm. I could show you some stuff. Uh, that that's a clone. I had a, a rock, a shock rock band in, in New York City, 
and we did this stabbing guitar, bleeding, bleeding guitar. So that white one there would gush blood all over the stage. What? And so we did all sorts of crazy stuff. Where did you? Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where did you perform? Like in the village? Where did you guys? Manhattan, yeah, Manhattan. We were played. Geez, you know, I, I played with these guys from Jersey, and this okay. was started in '93. So we went '93 to like 2000 or something. This band it was called it was called U.S. Bandit, and what we did was we were a shock rock band, almost like a Kiss-ish type band. You know, lots mm -hmm. of Lots of pyrotechnics and and there was makeup and clothes yeah, and where are platform the pictures? Shoot. I want to see the pictures. Where are they? Well, do I? What do I have? Are they here? on the internet anywhere? Oh boy, I don't know if I should even show because I'll yeah. Get... Let's see. No, we want to see the pictures, sir. <laughs> Listen, right. I graduated high school in 1988. When did you graduate high school? Uh, 86. Okay. Yeah, we're in the same gen. We are in the same so, gen. But I played so. with these guys in. In Jersey, so we would rehearse in Jersey on the weekends, and we do all our shows in Manhattan mm -hmm. on Tuesday and Thursday nights. So we'd play mm -hmm. these places called Webster Hall. I don't know if you ever heard of Webster Hall, mm -hmm. uh, the Pyramid, the Spiral, the Lion's Den, uh, Kenny's Castaway. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any people are listening from New York City, but these are oh, all yeah. those those dirty, grungy New York City mm -hmm. nightclubs. Mm -hmm. We played all of them, and um, and that was you know we did that for. That was the heyday. That was the like I remember growing up in the eighties. In the eighties, when well, I was this was actually the nineties. This was like early nineties that yeah, we did when, this. When you did this stuff, but what I'm saying is, like in that generation, we had all kinds of music mixed together: hip hop mixed with rock, and all kinds of stuff, pop, R and B, everything kind of mixed up. And it wasn't like nowadays where people only listen. So if you, you know. Kids are only listening to hip hop music over here, or only listening to country or whatever. We grew up listening to everything, so even like I was a hip hop head, but I listened to to rock music and stuff like that, you know. And definitely the girls that I was into were all about like Depeche Mode and you know. Oh yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you name it. <laughs> yeah, the eighties so. brought with it a lot of uh, a lot of different stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. I was always that that kind of rocker guy. I always loved yeah. the, the the hair band stuff and. Um, I was, you know, I was like into, oh, I don't know, geez. That was like Skin America rough. to me, man. America has come so yeah. far from that, from the 80s, when we were all like America. You know, we were all America. Oh, and yeah. we, had, we had issues, but we were, this was like America, and we would get over our stuff, and people would be friends with each other, and everyone could be different. You know, you had like your goths and all this kind of, but some something crazy happened somewhere after the the like in the early in the zeros or something it just started getting crazy you know i think i yeah it's it's it really is a sad thing because back then mm -hmm. well yeah i mean back then politics wasn't a thing i didn't care mm -hmm. i didn't know i didn't understand politics i just it wasn't part of my life. I, I didn't pay attention, which was which was my fault, and mm -hmm. and I've since made up for it. But back then, you know, politics wasn't wasn't a concern. You didn't. The, it wasn't an end all. It was like if someone right. was a conservative, you you might not you might have been like I know growing up in the eighties in New York City, I, I was liberal. I'm I'm pretty sure that's where I was at. A lot of things that I think now, I always thought then. But if you had to say, okay, where were you at politically or whatever, it was just. I wasn't thinking about it, so I was just falling into the category of probably being a Democrat and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, I remember in the 80s, we were like, oh, Reagan's terrible or whatever, but you didn't get mad really at people. Not. Yeah, but you didn't get oh. mad at your friends and not talk to them just because they believe this and you believe that. It never, it didn't happen. 
Yeah. Well, interesting. What happened to me was pretty interesting because I was definitely running in that <clears throat> kind of that liberal anti-gun crowd for for a, a period of time. And probably during the time I was in, I was spending a lot of time in New York City. Mm-hmm. But the, and so what happened was I was actually and I don't know if people know my story, but I was actually on the anti-gun side for a while because I was confused about the whole thing. And um my story really started back when I was a little kid. I grew up in a in a pro-gun family. My dad, he used to build build guns and he would he had pistols and all sorts of stuff and he would take me out hunting, cool. target shooting and stuff like that. So I was familiar with guns when I was a kid, but I I always say the story. I, I started hanging with the wrong crowd and I wasn't talking about drug dealers or bank robbers. I was talking about anti-gun liberals right. and I kind of took on that that environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it, it wasn't until a little bit later that we, my wife and I had an incident coming out of a, a late night movie theater in Albany, New York, when I realized that, you know, my position on guns was, was, was wrong. It was dead wrong because I needed and to be able to protect myself, my wife, my son, and the good people around me. And I was unable to do that. So that night was a real turning point for me. And when I realized that, you know, this whole anti-gun business really doesn't make you safe. It puts you in danger. And, it, it, and by taking on that mindset and that attitude, um, it it makes you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I knew that guns weren't scary and dangerous because I had used them when I was a kid and I was very familiar with, with my dad. Mm-hmm. So everything switched for me in that night. And I became and – and this all this stuff happens accidentally. I became somewhat of a, a – a, a pro-gun advocate, Second mm. Amendment advocate. When was that again? And I, can, you, can you just hit, hit me on the timing with that again? When did when yeah. did that happen with uh, you and your wife? Like around uh, in the nineties? Oh, <laughs> probably in the early two thousands. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. so so what happened was, you know, well, I, I write I write about the story in in the first book, Good Gun, Bad Guy, so people can read the whole thing in detail how that night played out. But ultimately, we ended up in the car unharmed, and I and I remember I distinctly remember. You know, you have these moments in life when everything is like really just like a moment of clarity when when everything in your thought process changes. And I remember putting the key. I remember sliding the key into the ignition mm-hmm. and turning to my wife and apologizing to her and telling her I'm sorry. And she said, "Why? Why are you apologize?" She was in the passenger seat. She said, "Why are you apologizing to me? You didn't do anything. It was it was that guy." And I mm-hmm. said, "Yeah," but I said, "I don't know if." if tonight I would have been able to protect you, defend you. Um, I said, uh, I'm getting a gun. And in that moment, everything changed. And so, so my whole perspective on firearms changed in that moment. So what happened was I, I wrote this article. I got picked up by truth about guns and people can find this article. It's still out there. Um, and it was called fear of guns. And I wrote this article. And that article turned into the first chapter of the Good Gun, Bad Guy book. And that, I always say that first book, Good Gun, Bad Guy, and I can show you one, I can show you a copy right here. Yeah, I was running, um, I the, was running it in a little bit, but yeah, definitely uh, hit us up. Let's get a look at that. So this was the that. first one? Yeah, this is Good Gun, Bad Guy. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you're getting a glare on my computer, but um, Good Gun, Bad Guy, the first chapter of Fear of Guns, was that article that got picked up. And I was mm-hmm. so proud of the article. It was my first article ever published. And mm-hmm. I just kept writing. And the, mm-hmm. I always say the book kind of wrote itself. 
And then the second book came. Mm-hmm. And then the third book came. And I realized before I knew it that I was somewhat of a Second Amendment advocate here. And I was learning so much. I mean, the research I was doing, I was just engulfing my, myself in, in research and data. And um, it, mm-hmm. it's really a fascinating it, – it's fascinating because there's so many people who are misled mm-hmm. by the anti-gun narrative. Yeah. And yeah. I was too. I, I have to admit it. It's embarrassing now to think about it, but I was too. And It's, um, de- it's a deep message that's yeah. um, pushed – almost like brainwashing and it's been going on for a long long time you could go way back um decades and decades and you would find it by the way we we have a link in the description of this video and in the chat that you guys can take to get dan's books on amazon um which you know of course you buy stuff from amazon it helps us out a little bit but you can also find what's your I, i was running in something from your website there as well um, it Go is to, good, good gun, bad guy.net, right? Or com or dot, com or dot com. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I'll run that in for everyone to get a look at it here. Then you guys can, um, you know, choose your way of, uh, getting these books if you're interested in it. So I'm sorry, dad, I, I cut you well, off there. No, it's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. One thing that I learned, Hank, was that the propaganda and the rhetoric and the brainwashing, as you put it, I totally agree with you. It is a form of brainwashing that's used to 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 change the way people think about guns in our society mm-hmm. uh, is pretty powerful stuff. So as I dug deep into all that, uh, which I uncover a lot of it in my books – and, and explain to people how they're being misled mm-hmm. and because it's stuff it's often stuff that we don't we don't recognize it we don't see it it's subtle and there's I and mean, we can talk about a whole bunch of examples if you'd like but um, basically what I talk about in my books is the mindset of the anti-gunner and the media's involvement in shaping the way we think about guns in America and helping people understand it uh, dissect it and giving people the tools to to see how that narrative and how that propaganda is used so we can either help those people which some of them can be helped many of them can't or defeat those people because there's a lot of people that are really just really just want to destroy our second amendment and they need to be defeated mm-hmm. um and so so my books talk about that stuff and it all happened accidentally this was this was never in my i never thought it would be in my cards to be where I am today, but I guess you were, you were called to it, man. Uh, so I, let me let me see, because I, I mean, you know, we've got this time here. I, I definitely want to get into a lot of different things. So just like how how did you? Because I I know if if I think back in my brain to the '80s, right? Like growing up as a kid, your dad was into guns. You know, you guys are upstate New York, right? Kind of like uh, you know, a little bit country. I don't want to put it like sure. You know, yeah, no, no, yeah. Plenty yeah. of plenty of rural, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you were shooting guns and stuff like that because I remember that time, and I, you know, in the eighties, guns came across my path just because you know I was growing up in New York City, crack eighties and all that. But for you, looking at like you actually shot these things in in in, um, you know, in a more, more nurturing setting and all that, and then the movies were more macho back then, right? Because we're talking about like you know, ideology and all this kind of stuff that's going on. It wasn't as bad as it, as it is now in the movies, you know, for example, Red Dawn, what did you think about Red Dawn when, when that came out? 
You know, did, were you, did you still have I that like, anti-gun sentiment or did it even jog to you? I don't even know if I remember the movie. I, you, okay. I, I, <laughs> probably not a good example. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Or, or was there any kind of, I mean, you know, we're talking about like, you had the Rambo movies. There were all the, like movies were more macho back then. Those, those were really oh, sure. good movies to me. And they were more like manly, I guess is a good way to say it, more macho, you know, and you know, you had Schwarzenegger who's like, Oh, yep. you're a little girly man. Now he's now he's backed backed off of all of that, but you know. Yeah, did, I think did any of that stuff resonate with you then? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I, I mean I, I did I guess I did. I did my childhood was like that. It was just it was it was that it was a short window of time in my life when I kind of I kind of was surrounded by no, you know, all just kind of liberal leftists, not bad people, but, Mm -hmm. but just, I took on that mentality, but I loved all those Rambo movies and and Cobra. Remember Mm -hmm. Cobra? Yeah, man. What? He takes the the guy's shirt and he just rips his shirt right off. (laughs) Cobra was awesome, man. Wasn't that in Miami? Didn't Cobra take place in Miami? I don't know. I I don't know. Someone will tell me. Yeah. All that stuff, oh, the Stallone, the huh? Testosterone. Those, those yes. are the testosterone years, and I think mm-hmm. that's what we. I, frankly, I think we need more of that now. But that's yeah. just my opinion. But. Well, so that's the thing. Like I remember looking at all those movies and loving those movies, and you know what's funny? When I look at them now, I still enjoy them because it's nostalgic, right? Like that was yeah. my time of when I was driving, <laughs> and you know I had girlfriend. Like I was young man, had girlfriends and stuff like that. So, but when I look back at those movies now, I could see like a little bit of anti-gun stuff snuck in here and a little bit of this in there. You know, movies from the 90s, the same thing, right? Like when you see someone using a gun, like I I always remember the scene from, uh, what's the um, Schwarzenegger movie where he was like a spy and it had, um, oh man, that that movie went, uh, truth, truth. True lies. True lies. Yeah, true yeah. lies. When the when the uh, when the the machine gun. I, I know. I don't know exactly, if it was a Mac ten or something. I think it was like an M ten yeah. or something. Yeah. It was a yeah. yeah. And so what happened in that movie? So this is great. And I've I've written about this. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect example. Thanks for bringing this one up. True lies. I think it was ninety four. It was Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. and she's at the top of the stairs, you know, looking kind of hot. Awesome. I might yeah. add. Yeah. But that's another. But that's another story. We, we'll yeah. leave that for. That was you know, prime. The, that like, was prime Jamie Lee Curtis, sir. That's right. But prime the children Jamie. might be watching, so we won't get into right, that. Right, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> she's at the, <laughs> she's no, at the top of the stairs. Kids should not be watching cover, this. Just, just right, right. Cover your just ears. FYI. Yeah, here's the uh, IMDb. I'm rolling it in. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you're rolling it. Do you have that scene? If you could find um, that scene. I don't know if I could find that. You know what? Uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll look for that. Let so me see. Here, I'll explain. I'll explain the point oh, I'm trying to prime make Jamie here. Lee Curtis scene right there. Uh, the I'm just flashing through things. I'm looking for that particular one with the Uzi. Uh, let me see. <laughs> I'll find it. I'll find it. Go ahead. The way the, way the anti-gun crowd talks about guns and, the, and the, the, their primary message is that guns are violent. That's why they use the term gun violence. No such thing as gun violence. OK, let's just be clear about that. There's only human violence. But they like the idea that they can convince you that guns can be violent. In other words, guns can act on their own. So this is a fantasy that the left and the anti-gun crowd has. And unfortunately, people who don't know any better, they buy in. I'm playing that scene back right now. Yeah. Okay. So if if that's playing now, you'll see the gun 
falling down the stairs. And as it's falling down the stairs, it's shooting the bad guys in all different directions. In other words, that gun is made to appear to have a mind of its own. Yes. And that's exactly the message that they were trying to portray with that one scene. That was a very, Mm -hmm. very powerful scene. Mm -hmm. And people going, oh my God, guns are so dangerous. Look at that, they shoot by themselves. And of course, it's nothing nothing near the truth, Mm -hmm. but but that's a great example, thanks for bringing it up, of, of anti-gun propaganda and uh, media manipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there was another one, and I'm trying to find where that movie was from. I think it was, uh, tri- was it Triple X with Ice Cube? Um, yeah. No, hold on a second. That uh, re- There's one of the, State of the Union, but now that's from 2005. Right, so the same thing with the Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube. There's similar scenes in there where he's mad at the NRA, for example, you know, and pinning the NRA as being racist and things like that. And when I first watched that movie, I didn't realize all like all of this underpinning of programming. You know, even though these were very macho movies pushing you in a direction. And the flip side of that today, man, they're not even messing around. They're straight up just trying to outright program you. And there's no, you're not allowed to be a strong man in anything nowadays. Right. They are, yeah, they're doing a terrible thing to Mm -hmm. to young men. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see some of these, you know, online, you always see this stuff that's just crazy, ridiculous stuff where you see these, these fashion shows, for instance, mm-hmm. where these young men, I, I mean, I don't understand what happened to their, they, their testosterone must've been sucked out because, mm-hmm. I, because what they're doing is that they're really doing harm to these, to these kids. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's in their diets. I don't know if they're eating too much soy. I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. it's, but but men in my view have a responsibility they have they have responsibility to take care of their family they have responsibility to be the to, to be the strong you know stable um, entity in their family there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that a lot of characteristics that i believe and you right. can hate me for saying this or not anybody you. i don't care yeah there's a lot of characteristics that a man should have mm-hmm. And I think what they're trying to do in some way, and I, don't, I can't put my finger on it, but they're trying to um, convince young men mm-hmm. that they don't need to be that that person. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of disturbing because you know, our society is, is really falling apart right now. And I think we need strong leaders and people who are confident mm-hmm. and who are willing to step up and take responsibility. Yeah. And I don't think government likes that. I think they'd rather have people be passive and dependent. Yeah. And you, you, know what's, you know what's crazy? Um, and, and this is right down the line of what you're talking about. Um, Little Nas X. I don't know if you're following, but we're talking about music. And he's a, like, I don't know if he's not really a rapper, but he's like a pop star guy that's out there, right? Yeah. So very, very popular nowadays. Little Nas Was this X. The shoes? Huh? Was this the Satan shoes or something? Yes. Okay. You know, little Vaguely Nas, familiar. Yeah, little Nas X, um, who you know he he became, he was one of those people that recently went very viral, right? Like doing the um, he did like country hip hop kind of a thing, which has been done before, but he did it and went very viral. You know, hey, I I listened to it, and then even he came out that he was gay. I don't have hey whatever, so it's all good. But it's almost like they're constantly trying 
to get back to 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 push the viral right and, and i'm a youtube guy right i'm a content creator i would love to go viral i've never gone viral but i also don't push it i don't deliberately try to push that viral thing and push on people's buttons in order to get there but this guy did it once then came back and did it again and now to do it even again you know nike and i'll run this in for people to see it uh little nas x nike air max 97 satan shoes <clears throat> this is literally blood in shoes this, or something yeah there's blood in it there's all kinds of stuff i can't i don't even want to show you guys they, they did a video he did a video where he's twerking on the devil in the video okay <laughs> there's now look like i said i believe in freedom right you have the right to your freedom of religion free you know what you can whatever gender you want to be all of that kind of stuff he's an adult all of that but it's like, wow, we're, we're, you know, you're, it's literally he sold his soul to the devil in order to get to go viral again and, and sell some records. And I'm just thinking, like, what's happening? What's really happening in America? It's getting so bad now that we're really just pushing it to this level in order to get people's attention. From, from before he did all of this, if he did a song, I would go, oh, I'll listen to it. I don't care. But now I have no interest in any of that. I, I don't want to. I don't even want to hear that message. You know, it's because people are going too far to appease these people on the other side in the entertainment business. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not in the entertainment business. And it's interesting that it's saying that you came out of the entertainment business because they they keep bending you. They keep bending you until you started out as one person and they bend you all the way around you. You wouldn't even recognize yourself. <clears throat> well, that's true. I don't know who this Nas guy is. I, I really don't care to know. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I, you know, people are always looking for that big splash. And I think what we need to focus more on is, is just focusing on our own, our own content, our own character, our own, um, our own values. And when you, when you can stand on strong moral principles, that's all you need. You don't, (laughs) because these, this stuff you know, these Satan shoes or whatever this thing is, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine this being a thing for any, any period of time. Um, it's just a, a flash uh, that he's trying to probably trying to capitalize on real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's OK, but I would I would rather we stand on strong moral principles and 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 be responsible for ourselves and and uh, stand for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Well, and the reason why I brought that up, what what uh Brought that up for me is I remember I have two sons and my and my boys are twenty and twenty one, uh, going on twenty one and twenty two, and I remember having this conversation with them where I said, "Look, a man, a man, should not be willing to do anything for money." And my son was like, "What do you mean?" I I said, <clears throat> "I mean that like I understand." But I don't agree with it. If a woman, a young woman out there needs money or whatever, and she's like, I'm going to go work at a strip club. Okay, I don't, I'm not with that. But, you know, fine. But I said, I'm telling you something right now. As a man, I'm telling you that if you need money, you don't need to go work in a male strip club somewhere. Right? 
I don't, you know, you go pick up garbage, you know, do whatever. I've done it all. I've been a doorman. I've, I've, I've swept and mopped floors and all that kind of stuff. And men don't do anything for money. When we're dealing with a man that will be willing to do anything for money, we have problems and that man is willing to compromise. And people could take right. it as um, you're being macho or whatever it is. No, this is, this is to me, one of the definitions and the rules of manhood. I, I totally agree. My job, my responsibility as a man, as a father, as a husband is to first and foremost take care of my family, stand on strong principles, and teach my son. I have a 20, my son is 22, very proud of him. Mm-hmm. Fantastic guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but my job as, as a man is to take care of my family, period. I don't care what people think, mm-hmm. I don't care if that's not politically correct. I don't give a damn because mm-hmm. this is my life and I don't, I don't, I, pr- frankly, I don't like what's going on in our society right now. And I think what happens, Hank, I think you and I are probably on the same page on most of this stuff. Mm-hmm. As we get older, mm-hmm. we start to, you know, we, we, we just kind of revealed our age talking about the 80s. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we're busted, busted. But, right. So as we get older, we start to have a, a, a number of experiences in life and we start mm-hmm. when we fail. We have a lot of failures. We yep. understand now we start to. We start to, and I can remember my my parents saying things like, "Well, you just don't understand. You're too young. You don't understand yet. You'll see. You know, you'll mm-hmm. see when you get older." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're thinking you know yeah. everything." Wait till you get your own kids. <laughs> oh right. Well, that changes. Hey, that changes everything. You know, it does. When you see your child for the first time, mm-hmm. your entire universe completely changes. You now have a new responsibility. I can, we can talk about that too because I remember yeah. taking my son my newborn son and my wife home that day after taking them from the hospital after he was born, I was scared to death. I'm driving the car. I, I was like, I, I, everything changed. Mm-hmm. Everything changes. Now there's a new level of responsibility that I never experienced before. Uh, and you, it's, you're not it's gonna, like, Yeah. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, but I've told people that story, that same exact story before, you know, my kids are born, my kid, both my kids are born in New Jersey in Hoboken, um, in the same hospital as Frank Sinatra, but they don't even know who Frank Sinatra is. Um, but I remember when my older son was born, like before that, man, I was, I did, I was wild. I did whatever I wanted to do, you know, uh, and Lola and I were married, but I, I just never thought like, I never worried about it, you know? But I remember that day taking Lola and him home, and I was like, oh, crap, I can't die. No, no. No, you definitely can't die, and you need yeah. to step up your game because you got to take care of, you got to take care of another human being now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, man. That was like uh, in June. That's going to be 22 years ago, and it completely changed my whole way of thinking about everything. It, like, sobered me up. That's, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of other people out there that have probably, this is just like a rite of passage, right? This is how life is supposed to be. And this is exactly what these guys are trying to tear down. Well, they're trying to tear down the, the, the traditional American family too. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't necessarily want the mom, the dad and the kids in the home. They want to make it so you can do any kind of combination, but you know, and that's fine. You can marry who you want. You can, you can have single parent households. I mean, that's all fine. But I think I, you, sh- I think, you should be willing to pay the price of that. Yeah. And I shouldn't I think have to have, subsidize it. Right. Well, that's true, too. That's another yeah. whole thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that we've we've tested it over time and that a mom and a dad in the household helps raise a healthy, strong um, 
confident, morally character, you know, child. I mean, yeah. it helps, it helps yeah. build a healthy kid, frankly, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because you're, the, the child is getting the attributes from the dad that are necessary. Mm-hmm. They're getting the attributes from the mom that are necessary. Yes. Um, you know, anybody who tries to tell you that that's not important, they're they're lying to you. Yeah. And and they're, they may be trying to justify their own situation. But frankly, I think the traditional American family is the best way to raise a kid. I 100% agree. Now, obviously, there are situations that things don't work out like that. Absolutely, but, right. But we shouldn't be encouraging that, and we should right. we should definitely not be rewarding that. If you make mistakes in life, you should suffer for those mistakes, um, and then that should make you stronger and make you strive. There's, there's lots of single moms that have raised kids and have raised good kids because they, you know, they, they um, you know, they changed their whole lives from from what happened right and they picked themselves up by their shoestrings and they and they built up something for themselves and their kids and even their kids saw the life that they had to live versus other people and they're like okay this is why i'm going to work harder and i'm not going to do this i mean this is always the thing you know my 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 dad's not the greatest dude in the world but he always told me be better than me that's the whole point you know, that's what you need to do. Be better than me. And I've strived to do that in my life. But when we reward people for doing bad things, then it becomes a practice. You know, not, okay, a circumstance of making a mistake. It becomes, you know what? I'm with this guy and we have kids, but so that I can get more money from the government, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be married to this guy and pretend he's not in the picture and I'm gonna play these games. But when you play the psychological games and you think you're getting over on the government and you're getting free money, they're really destroying your mind and especially that of the children who yeah. don't get to see this in the home because you're playing the stupid game, right? If you pretend yeah. to be something, you're definitely going to become it. Now, does that mean that you could pretend to be awesome and you'll become awesome? No, but if you pretend to be something bad, you are definitely going to become that. Well, let me let me elaborate on that a little bit and tell you a little bit about my experience. I, I'm also, among other things, I'm a real estate investor. So my company, well, we have we have a few different companies and we have real estate holdings. So what we have is multi-unit buildings, mm-hmm. a lot of two family houses that we, that we rent out, of course. Mm-hmm. And some of our properties are in low income, uh, cities, towns. And what I've learned is that it's, it's very interesting because when people call to rent an apartment, they'll usually say me and my fiance, and, and I always wondered, why Why does everybody have a fiancé? Nobody's <laughs> married. Right, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. So yeah. everybody's got a fiancé. Yeah. Nobody's married. And it's usually the women calling to rent the apartment. Right. And I'm like, this is really weird. So I learned that the reason that is, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because a lot of these people are on government assistance. And when you're on government assistance, you, you're government dependent, basically. Mm-hmm. And people... When the when the father is in the household, they lose those funds. Government has a, a funny way of controlling people, mm-hmm. and you, you you get more funds for how many kids you have, and you also get more. The woman gets more funds if she doesn't have a, a man in the household. So a lot of people stay unmarried. Mm-hmm. They want to be married, though. That's the thing. Their their values. They want. They have this. We have this inherent value to to 
get married. But we're not rewarding that. No one gets right. like Lola and I are not rewarded for being uh, for being married to each other and raising our children and working hard and being professionals and making money. No, we're not rewarded for that. If anything, we're punished for that, right? And right. then like our kids go to school and you know like for example our kids are in college now but when they were in in high school and all that you know they were the kids who they, they would always say to them oh because of what the amount of money your parents make even if you like for example i'll give you an example one time my son uh he wanted to go on this trip and they were like okay we got to raise money so he sold a whole bunch of candy and he raised money to go on the trip and then they were like okay good we're taking your money and we're going to give it to another student that needs it more than you because your parents have enough money to pay for you to go on the trip and he was like what the hell just happened like i i I just worked for this thing and i and i saw that like change things in my kids where i was like you 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 have to fight and get over this this is this is exactly what the problem is out there that we're being punished for working hard and doing things and then at the same time you're seeing like oh people other people are being rewarded for for um operating within the system so it trains you to be like this yeah absolutely i i see it all the time and you know it you know we have in our country i think what our politics are starting are trying to do desperately trying to do is divide us on racial lines Mm -hmm. you and me we're obviously different Mm. colors and they're trying to divide us. But the Mm. problem is not the fact that I'm white and you're black. Mm -hmm. The problem is where, where the problems are, it's in the income. It's in the, it's in your station in life with respect to income. Mm -hmm. That's where the problems lie. And they know that because they're manipulating people at the lower income level. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's easy to do it because people are, they become dependent and so that's where I think all our, our real divides are. And that's where we really need to put our focus on. I mm-hmm. hate the racial stuff because mm-hmm. I see what happens and I see how they, mm-hmm. how they try to, to do it. Yeah. It's not about that. What we should be focused on is, is helping and fixing people at the low income level, helping them not give them money because that's the worst thing we do. Help them become self-sufficient. Yeah. But it doesn't work for the way that politics works. You know, look, Right. You know, there's the I don't know if you're into any of this stuff, but um, there's like uh, a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of different things like there's the what is it? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier or whatever. And there's all there's all the these are new things. Right. And when you look at these things, um, you will see, like, for example, I, I was looking at one of these things and I recently went through a whole thing with Disney and canceled Disney. But I still have access to certain Well, I'm not going to talk about exactly how you can still see it right and i was looking at one of these things <laughs> and <laughs> anyway i was looking at this and and here's what happened to me this the the story of uh the falcon the 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 black marvel character is talking about here's this guy who's in a super suit that is prob that that super suit's probably worth i don't know trillions of dollars right and he's flying around with this thing and he's saving the world, but he can't get alone. And I remember saying to Lola, 
how the hell, why are we still doing this? Because I remember growing up in my time that we're talking about in America and looking at stuff like good times. And every time you saw good times, they were struggling and they didn't have anything. I kept saying, what, what, what's happening here? What's going on? Why are we always seeing this? Right. Like, I understand yeah. struggle. My family came to America. We immigrated here. You know, we 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 went through our struggles and stuff like that to be here. But we were working and trying to build things and accomplishing things. And I enjoyed the, the Huxtables, right? The Cosby show more than a lot of these other shows. And I was like, how are we in 2021? And the black guy that works for the military, that's a superhero, flying around in a trillion dollar suit, Can't is still alone. Is still broke ass. Why are we <laughs> playing this game? Because I would break off one of the feathers from that thing. Yeah, right, right. And, and sell that for a million dollars. I mean, it just, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Yeah. This guy's in the military, and you're telling, oh, I'm sorry, we can't give you. But but every, but every it's it's just this story that they keep hitting black people with upside the head. And, and I'm just thinking, are people in America still believing this? Are there white people who see this and go, oh, these poor black people? Well, you know, you know they're, just, they're just suffering. They just need to be helped. They're like, they're, we, we need to save them. And are black people seeing that and going, oh, yeah, that's every black person? Because no, if, no. If, that's your, if that's the way you look at the world, man, you've got no hope. Yeah, and, and what I think, what I'm seeing a lot of is, yeah, exactly. And you know what, the, you know why the... And it's it's always the liberal left who does that stuff because <clears throat> it it fulfills their moral superiority. They want to feel good about mm -hmm. themselves, and and I think that's what why they do it. You know, oh, we're here to help you. <laughs> you know, let's that, save you. We could save you, right, poor little black you. person. You need us. You're like our little puppy dog. Right. <laughs> And, that we and, need and, to feed you and give you water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, no, and be I, a man. I, be men. Be men and women. And, and man, it makes me so mad because I, the opposite is true. I know so many black people that are professional. That have even you know even if they don't have degrees, they have businesses. They have whatever you can imagine. Houses. They get loans. This whole idea that <laughs> if you're black, you can't get a loan. <laughs> but a white well, person could be broke as whatever, but they could get loans. Nonsense. <laughs> Well, Hank, according to the liberal left, you know, you guys can't get you don't have IDs. You you, you don't have access to get IDs. Oh, that, to vote. Every time Biden talks that thing, I get so it's mad. It's infuriating. So to mad. me. <laughs> I, it's I can't insulting. Yeah, I well, I can I bet it I bet it is. And and that stuff has yeah. to stop. That, John Crump gave me uh 2 bucks. He says, "I acknowledge my privilege, so here's $2." <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> But this is the, th you know, and I think this is so detrimental. This is so detrimental to us. And, and, I, and I think I don't I, I don't mean to harp on it because but it's just something when you said it, it's like this is your responsibility as a man, as a woman. OK, you whatever happens, even if you you have a child with someone and you guys can't work it out. You need to show your children better. You need to show them to make things better. You play into this system. You are a slave. You can't play into the system and then at the same time go, oh, but there's slavery and the white man is... You're enslaving your own damn self. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I believe the welfare system is a form of slavery. And I got to tell you, you know, like I said, get back to my real estate thing mm -hmm. for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, I We have real estate in a lot of low income, but we're up here in upstate New York. 
there are hardly any black people. It's all white people. But mm-hmm. it's a low income, and it's the same exact thing that we're talking about. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. The color of no, the doesn't skin matter. doesn't matter. Same game. It's it's the dependency, the dependency of these of of low income people who get on this system and they can't get off. And, and like I said, my experience is mostly with white people. Mm-hmm. So it's not a racial thing at all. I recognized that a long time ago, and I said, I can't believe that the political left is real is is ab, is is able to turn this into a racial thing it's really not a racial thing no at all no we've and, we've we've transcended that whether people want to i'm not i'm not trying to say that there aren't people who are racist or there aren't people who do bad things or do it you know they're acting a certain way based on racism they absolutely are and there are black people who do things to white people based on their race and there's white people who there's all of that right but it's but in general and life has transcended that you know i live in the country here in florida and i'm telling you there's a lot more poor white people with blonde eye uh, blonde hair and blue eyes yeah okay. <clears throat> so I, I, it, it doesn't like it the blonde hair and blue eyes does not give you a license to go get money yeah i think your audio went out what happened yep, there yep. oh okay That's, I'm, back. I'm back oh okay uh, yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah. you're absolutely right it's, yeah. it's a horrendous thing that our that our politics do to our society mm-hmm. uh but they obviously benefit from it but yeah know, lots of power on. lots of power uh, there so listen we've got uh i mean you know I, I can see we definitely don't need anything to talk about here. I was just wondering, like, what's the things going on today that really get you the most riled up? Like, you know, do you watch the stuff going on in the gun world? Is it, you know, what's what's the kind of stuff that's on your mind? I know you write things, so. Well, there's so much, really. Yeah. Um, I'm always, well, I do. I, I write for Ammo Land, Daily mm-hmm. Caller, Truth About Guns. I write for a bunch of publications. Um, so I'm always trying to keep up on the latest gun bills. And, you know, I I think the big thing right now that I've been working on trying to help people understand just how dangerous universal background checks are. Mm -hmm. And I can talk a little bit about universal background checks. You Mm -hmm. know, the anti-gun crowd wants you to think that we need more background checks because that's going to save lives and keep people safe. Right. And some gun guys, some gun guys believe that too. Some, unfortunately, some gun guy, yeah, yeah. Well, there's actually one guy in, in the, in the <laughs> right now that's, uh, yeah. that, that went a little bit sideways on that. But, mm-hmm. um, the truth is, um, background checks are dangerous oh, yeah. because the system doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I, let me give you a couple, just an example of this. 2017, the, um, the the oh my gosh now I can't even think of the organization the government government organization the the um, GAO the government <clears throat> the GAO yes exactly mm-hmm. government mm-hmm. accountability office they did this study and they 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 found out that there was 8.6 million background checks right 8.6 million now if you, people can try to keep these numbers in your head I'll try to keep it as simple as possible because numbers suck when you're talking and you're trying to figure out the numbers but I'll give you a right. basic number. 8.6 million background checks. Out of the 8.6 million background checks, there were 112,000 denials. Okay. All right. Okay. So what the anti-gun crowd does is they say, we saved 112,000 lives with background checks. Well, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I'll give you the truth. Out of the 112,000 denials, there were 12,000 investigations. So early on, they realized that 
the the vast majority of the denials were false. We call them false positives. Um, false positives were the false positives are about at 99% or more of the of the denials are false positives. Okay. Now this is data. This is studies done by John Lott and others. So 8.6 million NICS checks, 112,000 denials, 12,000 investigations, which tells us right away the vast majority. Most of it, was, yeah, the 100,000 right. at so, least were nonsense. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So now, mm -hmm. now, now, here's the thing. Out of 112,000 denials, take a guess, Hank, how many were people who actually shouldn't have been purchasing a gun? How many people who shouldn't have been purchasing a gun? Out of the 12,000? Out of the 112,000 denials, 12,000 investigations. <laughs> uh, is it a number less than 10? <laughs> <laughs> You're real close. It was 12. 12. <laughs> <laughs> what is the percentage of that? that? Yeah. It was 12 people mm -hmm. who should not have been purchasing a gun were stopped. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up and bring it around here in a second. The 12 people who shouldn't have been purchasing a gun who, who were, were stopped from purchasing a gun. Now, people say, oh, well, we saved 12 killers. We, we prevented 12 killers. Well, I don't know about that. If they were killers, mm -hmm. you know, murderers, wouldn't they be in prison? Mm-hmm. So, so we're talking about people who probably had felonies or misdemeanors. Maybe, or maybe. I mean, I think Crump just put know. out a story that the <clears throat> FBI was including people who did non-felony crimes, like doing donuts yeah. in the parking lot or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the problem right mm -hmm. there. So what? So it really didn't stop anybody. It didn't save any. The background check didn't save any lives. And on top of that, it prevented 112,000 people. Mm -hmm. from exercising their second amendment right mm -hmm. that's that system is all wrong mm -hmm. that's why i don't I, I am not a fan of background checks and mm -hmm. and i know that sounds strange to people because we've been so conditioned to say oh well, background checks you got well, it, it, it's obviously not it's obviously not working it's obviously not doing right. anything there's so many um examples uh, of that and and one of the things let's say we're talking about new york city for example you could do all mm -hmm. the background checks that you want to you know, try to get a try to get a, a license to carry in New York City. Oh yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, but but and, if background checks are so awesome, why can't you do a background check and they go, oh, this is a good, honest, right. law-abiding person who never did anything wrong. Oh yeah, let's let's allow them to I don't know defend themselves and be able to to uh, practice their Second Amendment rights. Nope. Well, no, no, and and let me give you another little story here. You you're, you may be familiar with Carol Bound. Carol Bound was a New Jersey woman who um, she was in an abusive, uh, abusive relationship and she decided she was going to get uh, a handgun. So she, she went and she filed for her permit. Mm -hmm. Now Jersey had a 30-day waiting period. Now keep in mind, this guy was violent toward her mm. and she had a restraining order against him. There were multiple police reports and they made her wait 30 days. Not only did they make her wait 30 days to get her handgun to protect herself and, and prevent being killed, it went 43 days and, and the guy ended up stabbing her to death. Who knows how long Jersey would have yeah. So that took, that took a life. That, that background check, that 30-day wait period took a life. Right. 
Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so if if you want to put it now, if you want to put it in the way that they put it, the guy took the life. He did well, the true. wrong thing, you know. True. But if you want to put it in their terms. By, right. Yeah. The government can help by prevent literally, literally preventing her from defending herself. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible, it's terrible. You know, another guy, I forget his name. Let me see if I got his name here. Um, Frank Wise from Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, this guy, 20 years ago, he bounced two checks because his his company that he worked for went out of, went out of business. They went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he, he bounced two checks. Well, that was on his record. 20 years later, he tries to get, um, he tries to get a, a, a or he goes through a Nick's check mm-hmm. and he gets denied. Because he bounced two checks 20 years prior. Another guy, I got notes here, Ronnie Coleman from Virginia, he, the, he got denied uh, his, his Nick's background check because the authorities said that his name was close enough to that of a convicted felon. So they denied him. <laughs> wow. It's not this even funny. Yeah. Right. It's, not, yeah. it's not funny. And yeah. Man. So that's why the background mm-hmm. check system is – Mm-hmm. It's just bad. It's yeah, bad. If, it, if it worked, which it doesn't, if it worked and they believed it worked, why, you know, then is it, you know, not only doing this, but keeping in places like New York City, why is it not effective enough to allow good law abiding people in New York City to defend themselves? And I say that like, you know, I have family that lives in New York City. Every single time they buy a gun, they have to go through a whole, they have to go through, they have to get permission to buy each gun, but they cannot get, they cannot get the permission to, to, to conceal carry. And they've never done anything criminal. Never. Well, you want, you know, like you my, want- my, my brother is a, is a, is a teacher in New York city. He has been for a long time. He's tenured as a teacher in New York city. Can't do it. Yeah. 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 You want the you want the brutal truth, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not sugarcoat any of this stuff anymore. Here's here's what it is. <clears throat> the 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 way the anti-gun legislation works is not to stop the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Because if it was, we've given them all the data. We've told we've we've shown them that where there's more concealed carry, there's less crime. Mm-hmm. You, when you when you have these universal background checks, you you put people in danger. When you create gun free zones, you get children and teachers killed. Mm-hmm. We have we've taught them this stuff. They have the data. Joe Biden with your 1990 gun free school zones act that 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 resulted in double the amount of school mm-hmm. killings. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me, Joe? Mm-hmm. Th- this is. This this stuff. So so they know this stuff. We've given them the data. They've done the research. They don't care about that stuff. It would seem. Let me put that little that little caveat in there. It would seem. It would seem that they want to stop mm-hmm. the good. Guys. They mm-hmm. don't want you and me, mm-hmm. the constitution loving, traditional American value conservatives. They don't want us having guns. Because we're their opposition. They don't care about the bad guys. They're letting them out of prison. Do you think they really care yeah, about exactly. the bad guys? Yeah. They don't so care. What is, what is the psychology behind, you know, like, what do you think people on our side who think, oh, come on, guys, why don't you just be a little bit reasonable? You know, we are, we're facing this, right? 
why are people saying that? Like, why do they think, oh, no, we should we should just expand the background checks? Like, honestly, this is like a serious question, right? I think you, you, you spent a lot of time thinking about why are people thinking this way? Why are they doing this? What do you think well, is behind that? I think if we're going to talk about that, we have to talk about the two different ideologies. Mm -hmm. We have... We have people on typically on the left, mm -hmm. and I know that there's some trickle over on the right, but let's I got I have to talk in general terms because mm -hmm. it, it's just an easy way to 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 paint this picture so so you can see the two different ideologies. Mm -hmm. On the left, we have people who generally um, are willing to give up their freedom for safety. They believe that government can control government control is good. They like rules, they like regulations, they like laws and restrictions because it creates an environment where they feel safe. Frankly, they feel safe. And and you and I talked about the responsibilities of people. And in, in this world, this this kind of liberal utopian world, there's no responsibility. And because it's always somebody else's fault. It's either your parents or your boss or your professor. And, you know, you can trip on, trip over your own two feet on mm -hmm. the sidewalk and you can sue the business that happens to be there. Mm -hmm. You can run a stop sign and blame mm -hmm. it on the tree branch that was in front of the – it's never their fault, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's this ideology and it's this kind of mindset of a lack of responsibility. And with that comes a lack of confidence and a lack of all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's another story. It's, it's kind of this idea that – Give up freedom for the per, for a perceived safety. Okay, that feels good to some people. Right, that's, I see that. That I see on the left. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. on the right, conservatives gravitate together because we tend to have this sense that we're willing to give up safety for freedom. Mm -hmm. It's it's more valuable to us to have our freedom and make our own choices, and 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 with that we take responsibility. For our failures, because we fail, we all fail. Mm -hmm. We make mistakes. But you and I are talking about this stuff today because we recognize that when we screw up, we'll fix the problem. It's painful, but we'll fix the problem and we'll take responsibility for it. Yeah, so first you just what? admit that you messed up. That's where you start. You stop digging. Right. Just like how right. you get out of debt. You stop digging into debt. You stop, stop digging the damn hole. Exactly. Yeah, stop right. buying stuff on credit. So it's the same right. thing. You mess up. Right. You stop lying or, or denying it. Just go, oh, you know what? I really messed up. Yeah. So you, you can stop digging and and lift yourself out. So okay, so um so okay. How, so how now do do folks on our side wind up over there? And and there's people who I'm not I'm not even trying to talk about a specific thing, right? But really there's people who every now and then try to test me with this nonsense and I'm thinking, why is this person thinking that it's okay? Are they thinking that oh no, I'm one of the good people? And no one's going to do this to me. It's some other person out there that, you know, is the bad person. And by making it more difficult for them, everything's going to be okay. But that will never get applied to me. Is that what is that what's going on? Well, I, I think that I think that the people who generally tend to be on our side of the conversation. If if they if they want if they believe in any way that you know more background checks are good or limit the magazine capacity or or gun-free zones are okay if they believe any of this stuff i think what happens is they're giving up their own responsibility that they and their that they play in in life mm -hmm. you know in other words more restrictions they think 
will keep people safe. And it comes from that mindset that more restrictions keep people safe. And maybe they're just maybe it's just drilled into them and they're and they're getting this residual effect. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But 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 I think what happens is on like I said on the left you 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 typically have people who are willing to give up their freedom for for a perceived safety and on the right you have people who are willing to give up their safety for freedom. It, right. it, it's those two different ideologies that we're dealing with right now. And you, you can take anything. You can look at the vaccine conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, people who typically now, it seems, and I'm not everybody, but it seems that the majority of the people on the left are all for the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Let the government take care of me. Yeah. I'll put whatever, whatever the government says to put in my bloodstream, I'll do it. Be, because they want so to crazy. feel safe. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. People on the right are going, get the hell out of my way. Get, get away from me with that stuff. It hasn't been tested. Mm-hmm. There's side effects. People are losing their, their freaking skin is falling off. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. You know, yeah, it, it's and, it, it's the kind of thing that Lola and I are going through right now because our our older son, once again, you know, this is what happens when you're born in Jersey. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I know. I, I know Jersey. I yeah, know Jersey. All, all Jersey people are going to react to that. But his, um, you know, he his girlfriend tested positive for COVID, and then he did, right? And so we were worried about it, Lola and myself. So we went and got tested, and we laid low. You know, we didn't get into contact with anyone. We laid low. Lola came back negative. I came back negative. We did we did two different kinds of tests. The mm-hmm. where she works. Um, insisted that she do a specific test and then i went to like cvs and did a different thing and it's weird okay it came back negative but now everyone even on her side and and through cvs they're like oh well, maybe you want you want to get the vaccine no i don't i don't want to get it especially if a kid living under my roof that we're breathing the same air i hug my kids all that kind of stuff you know i spend time with my kids if we're breathing the same air and okay, he got it, but I still didn't get it, and she didn't get it, and we didn't somehow get it, give it to each other. We're husband and wife. There's something going on here that we that you know. There's more to the story, and probably we don't need to rush into that. Yeah, and you know what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. I think the more people, the longer people wait. Mm-hmm. and not get the vaccine, the more stuff they're starting to see. Although the media is trying to hide all the side effects, mm-hmm. but the more mm-hmm. they're starting to see that, well, maybe I don't need it, number one, mm-hmm. and maybe it's really not that not that good. Maybe I should stay away from it. So so I think what's happening is people are starting to be become more resistant to the vaccine as the propaganda and the marketing builds. You'll mm-hmm. notice Krispy Kreme. I use Krispy Kreme on my show. We talked about them. Mm-hmm. They're they're offering free donuts to people if they get the vaccine. So they're trying to entice people to get it. That's an instant red flag to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you're trying to buy me off with donuts. No, <laughs> something's that's <all> right. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when so, my skin starts falling off, those donuts aren't going to help. <laughs> so, I mean, right now I don't need any more donuts. Let's be honest. <laughs> Well, me, me too. I mean, I but know. I will still eat a Krispy Kreme donut, but I could just go buy it. That's right. Need, yeah, I, mean, I don't need to, to, to be part of that experiment. And I'm not right. saying I'm never going to – look, people get the flu vaccine and all that kind of stuff, right? It happens. Yeah. But where it's this weird thing. Even – look, Lola works in a hospital, and she's, ne- she's, she's worked this whole entire time. She's worked for more than a year through this whole COVID thing. And she still hasn't, she hasn't gotten it. Now, more than likely, I believe we got it 
in in the late part of uh tw of 20 uh i want to say uh 2019 right because yeah. i think in like november or something like that i was in uh vegas for the sema show because i'm a crazy car guy as well as a gun guy and i think when i came back i remember being really sick Something was yeah. really bad, wrong, badly wrong with me, but I didn't go to the hospital. It went away. It came back to the second time, kicked my butt so bad. I went in. They tested me, and they said, nope, you've got the B strain. They pushed that thing all the way up my nose. They're like, you have the B strain of the flu. Lola had it also. So we went through that whole thing. And then when we went to SHOT Show January 2020, everyone was falling out like flies at SHOT Show. Did you go? No, no, I didn't. I, I couldn't be there, but... oh. But so, I, I think, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I was, we, we were just noticing that at SHOT Show, everyone was getting sick. I mean, there were whole, there were booths that the whole company or half or three quarters of the company was sick and nothing happened to us. Uh, even some friends that were there got sick, people that I know, nothing happened the whole year. We worked, I never took a break. I never stopped doing anything. I kept working, Lola kept working. This is the closest we've come to any scare and our son in our house got he's he tested positive but we didn't get something and there's more to this and no one's taking time to try to figure it out and lola keeps saying this to me and she's a a, a health professional she's like you know what's funny nobody's getting the flu anymore <laughs> well yeah that's 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 one of the many um yeah. anomalies about this whole thing yeah, but it can't it can't be real it's, it's statistically impossible yeah yeah, that, that's another reason why I'm like, eh, something's not right here. So, and I think a lot of people, like I said, as, as as more time goes by and people don't get the vaccine, they're becoming less likely to get it. They're mm -hmm. becoming more hesitant and resistant to it. And they're becoming it. bolder, yeah. Like yeah, you, it's like you said, the fear, the fear <clears throat> factor of what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, the fear is starting to subside, I think. Now, people are looking around them and going, no, people aren't dropping like flies like they're yeah. Like they want so, you to so does that mean is your is your hypothesis that if if folks on our side are starting to doubt that there's more fear creeping in is that is that what you're saying like maybe wh whoever's thinking that way there's some kind of fear creeping well, in there. Well, oh, definitely. And, okay. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think it does. I think. Let me make sure I get. Let me make sure I didn't really think this thought this through, but. I think what's happening is people that are typically on the left, and I just told you mm -hmm. how, what I my my theory is. Mm -hmm. I think people on the left are more fearful of this stuff. They're they're easily manipulated and easily, more easily manipulated to believe stuff that the government tells them. Mm -hmm. And conservatives are like, ah, I'm not buying it because because conservatives tend to kind of go their own way and, mm -hmm. and think for themselves and take that personal responsibility and, uh, a little bit differently. Um, I think that's partly what's happened. That's why you're starting to see even the, even the vaccine is, is dividing mm -hmm. on, on political, is dividing on, on political lines. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. Everything we do in society now is there's a left and there's a right. Mm -hmm. Pick any topic. I don't care what it is. And it all comes down to the way we think. It comes down to our internal ideology. It comes down to the way we process life. And, and a lot of it has to do with personal responsibility. A lot of it has to do with uh, that, that whole giving up 
freedom for safety versus giving up safety for freedom concept. Fear, fear, and how fear interacts with your brain. How fear interacts with your brain, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so that's, I think, what's happening. It's so interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. But people are starting to become bolder. I think you used the the word bold. Mm -hmm. Starting to become bolder because we're going, ah, I'm not buying it so much anymore. I'm starting to see things with my own eyes now. And Dr. Fauci has been all over the map on this stuff. I don't know if I'm quite buying all this stuff anymore. And mm-hmm. and I think that's why they're starting to ramp up the the, the media marketing campaign even more, the mm-hmm. fear campaign. Um, and we're starting to see, oh, my God, <clears throat> numbers are up, numbers are up. And people are like, oh, stop it with the numbers are up. We're yeah. just not – we can't buy it. We're in year number two. They're still trying to, like, we are here. <clears throat> Remember a lot of guys believed, so when we went through the whole elections and the, that freaking fiasco, everyone was like, well, at least now COVID-19 is going to magically go away. No, sir. <laughs> right, no, Why? because it's still, it's still relevant because yeah, it's, it's still, still hot useful. <laughs> yes, but, but there's <laughs> things that are going to happen, like just to switch back to cars and stuff like that. One of the things I've noticed is that <clears throat> For the first time in a long time, you know, the whole the whole RV thing really kicked off somewhere around the Great Depression. So those people before that, this is just me looking into it. I could be wrong if anyone wants to argue with me or whatever. But when you look back, I think like uh, Henry Ford used to drive around the country with uh, with a lot of different people and cars and, you know, kind of like overlanding or whatever. But around the Great Depression time, when everyone had to start moving around right? Like trying to find work and all that kind of stuff. It really, really kicked off. Well, this in the last year, it has the RV market has kicked up like crazy. Uh They cannot make enough RVs like the vans, this van that I'm in. um, I'm telling you, I could see it just from the stats of the amount of people that look like my car channel was designed to be all the car stuff that I'm into. And I'll put up a regular, I, I just hit 2,000 subscribers. I don't even have a lot of subscribers on there. I appreciate that I have that many. But I put up a, a, a car video that I think is cool. It gets a couple of hundred views or a hundred views. I put up an RV video. It takes off. And wow. when I go to the RV places, they can't make them fast enough. Yeah. Even use prices are, are, are up. And when I go, I see all kinds of people, not the prototypical people that you would think you would see getting RVs. I see all kinds of people doing it for all kinds of reasons. And one of the number one reasons is COVID. People don't like the restrictions on planes. They want to get around the country. They're like, okay, we're going to just do it on our own and drive around the country. Or people like myself getting into it to be your office and work out of because you don't want to work with other people and have to deal with all their craziness or whatever. So there's a lot of that going on. And I'm wondering... You know, like like you're saying about people's reaction to it. Some people get fearful and stay home or even in the car, they're wearing masks or whatever. And then some other people go, you know what? You did this. You put this roadblock in front of me. I'm going to go around it this way. Let me give you an example of that. We, you and I were both in Florida at the Florida Carry event. Mm-hmm. And my my wife came with me and we flew down to Florida. And I got to tell you, that plane ride mm-hmm. was, was torturous. Mm-hmm. The, these... These people, these um, airline attendants, mm-hmm. were were brutal. Nazis. They, they were they they were Nazis. They were mm-hmm. they they were mask Nazis, and they mm-hmm. were horrible, horrible people because they were they were they were they were so uh, demanding and belligerent about mm-hmm. 
You better wear those masks or we're going to stop this. Treating people it like will kids. will ban you from life for flying. Um, I, I went, like, I went to New Mexico. That's what, kicked, like, that's what kicked me off to do this. And even my friend Walter traveled to Maryland, the, uh, no, to uh, Delaware the other day. Same thing, man. Yeah, crazy. It was horrible. Who are you to talk to me like that? Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who gives you this authority to be to, to act like this? It was absolutely – it was unacceptable. And and I was on uh, Southwest, and I was mm-hmm. I was completely – They're dis- all like that. Americans yeah, – Amer- I believe it. Americans told us we traveled um, somewhere in the early part of the year. Americans said that um, if you don't, or the the end of last year, um, they said if you do not wear your mask, not only will we kick you off this flight, we will ban you from for life. You will never be able to fly with America. And after I went got back, I was like, you know what? I've been try. I've been getting on planes since I was five years old, and I was like, yeah, um, I don't really want to do this. No. Well, you know what we did? We drove home. Mm -hmm. So because we didn't, number one, because because I don't want to deal with that nonsense, Mm -hmm. but also because we we didn't want, uh, when you come back into New York, they had all sorts of uh, a lot of form and contact tracing. Yeah, and all at this the borders. Stuff. What well, you have to show your papers to get into New York City. People could come into. I am an immigrant. Yeah, <laughs> and it's crazy. It's crazy that you you don't have to. You could just come into America. You could vote. You could do anything yeah. else you want to do. But yeah, they're yeah. gonna stop you at the borders of New York City, huh? Yeah, and and I knew that if we came back on a plane. We would get. We would have to fill out paperwork and be traced. Nobody's going to trace me. Um, they're not going to. I'm not going to have some some health official calling me every day on the phone. I don't think so. And so we drove home. I'm like, I'm not going to deal with that. But we made the we made the trip really cool. Anyway, Florida. By the way, let me let me just back up a little. Florida was awesome. Wide open. Nobody's wearing masks. We go we go to these restaurants and everybody's out. There's there's a, a duo band playing. People are having fun. They're sitting next to each other, talking and laughing. Not a mask in sight. We're on the lake, a big deck that oversee, over, oversees the lake. It was just a fantastic time. And all through Florida, every time, everywhere I went, people were cool. People were normal, living life like normal human beings. No masks, no social distancing, no fear. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it's, I was not, like, it's not 100%. There's some stores that are like, oh, you got to wear a mask or whatever. I put it on. I go in there. It's BS. Uh, you know, but yes, it's, it's a different world than up here in New York. Yeah. And we got up and so we drove, we, we drove from Florida after, after we spent a few days in Florida, we drove up to Myrtle beach and Myrtle beach was kind of like in South Carolina. People know where Myrtle beach is. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of half and half. You know, some people wore masks, some people didn't. It was kind of like some people, it was like, do what you choose, you know, do what you want. And I'm like, okay, that's Mm -hmm. fine too. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah, Sure. And, um, oh, yeah, I'm not condemning anyone for wearing a mask. I'm certainly not condemning anyone for getting a vaccine. That's not my my goal no. here. But don't tell me what I have to do. That's where I, that's where that's where we have a problem. But anyway, so we get up to North Carolina. We spent some time in North Carolina and North Carolina. It was different. It was a little bit more like New York. It was mm. a little bit more. uh Shame. You know, just not a desirable place to be with respect to what we're talking about, the, mm-hmm. the all the COVID stuff. Um, 
I don't know. I forget what my point was, Hank. What yeah. was my Well, you know, so until you remember it, <laughs> the thing I was going to say, <laughs> the the part that's going to make me really mad about all this is I hope the airlines suffer for what they're doing financially, but I know that they're going to take our tax money and bail these sons of bitches out. Oh, we can say that. Okay, so I didn't know what yeah, kind of language... Yeah, we can curse. We could curse. Okay. I'm doing it for the first time. Lola's going to be like, and you had to start the cursing. <laughs> but you could curse. I mean, we're grown-ups here. The thing is, is that it's going to make me so mad that they're going to they're gonna take our money and, and bail out these airlines that don't they don't deserve to survive. Right, right. And and on one hand, I'm playing the game. I'm, I'm buying their stock. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the airline stocks go up and up and up mm-hmm. right now because they know they're gonna they know they're gonna get bailed yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. and then so yeah, I'm I understand hypocr- it as a financial yeah. thing, you know, stock sure. stock thing or whatever. They know they know they're gonna get bailed out, man. Um, talking about finance, go ahead, go ahead. No, but I I, I agree. I totally agree with you on the fact that they you know they're they're what they're doing is just wrong to society. They're not treating people well. Mm-hmm. And they don't deserve to succeed by by treating people like this. It's terrible. Yeah. So let's get into some car stuff here for a minute, if people will sure. allow us here. I want to talk about some car stuff. Um, so you're a Corvette guy. Yeah. Right? What do you think about the new C8? Where are you at on that? Well, I've I got to be honest with you. I have not taken the the full tour of the, of the C8. No? I, I do like... No, I, I'm not. I haven't really looked at all the specs yet. You haven't but, seen. Have you seen any oh, in, the, seen, in the in the steel? It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what what's what Corvette is doing now? But I what I what I can't comment on horsepower and I can't comment on torque and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't have all the data on that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I do know and what I have read is that we're finally Corvette finally has a car that's really competing with Ferrari, Lamborghini, and all the exotics, and that's fantastic because you're getting these cars for. Well, I don't know what half the price. Yeah, I have a uh, so I'm a, like an Audi guy. You know, I'm, I love all kinds of cars. I've had a ton of different cars, but I actually have had two Audi R8 uh, in the last few years, right? So I had like the second gen first, kind of did. Those it. are all wheel, all wheel drive, right? Yeah, all wheel drive, uh, <laughs> mid engine, uh, uh, V10. Oh yes, know, I like, know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, legitimate supercar, and I but like me, I do everything backwards. <laughs> So I started with the second gen, and then I had some technical difficulties with it. Not mechanical, but the uh, the dash is all digital and just one dash, and it didn't work properly, and Audi wound up buying it back for me. Um, and I like all-wheel drive, so I went, I had some other Audis, and then I had the opportunity to buy, um, to, to buy a used one, a first gen, which was still V10 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I got it, because I love all-wheel drive, man. I love the yeah. engine in the back like that, or mid-engine. Yeah. All-wheel drive. I think it puts all that power down to the ground. I feel like I have more control. But okay. I'm, t- I'm telling you the, the, that when I look at the C8 Corvette and what Corvette did there, it's amazing. Like, I, I, can't, I can't sing enough praises for what they did on the Corvette side to develop this car, although I know they've been looking at it for decades probably. But it is well, freaking amazing right. what they did. Yeah, and and they and they've got the mid-engine now. Now mm-hmm. they've got a mid mid-engine car, and that distributes the weight and the handling a lot better. But mm-hmm. it started the real technology started with the C5, mm-hmm. because with the C5, and that started in '97, I think '97 was the first C5. Mm-hmm. They started putting the transmissions in the back, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I've got a I, I have a 2000 
that and and that's cool because the transmissions in the back it distributes that weight a little better there's nothing like a corvette especially when you start getting into the c5 6 7 and 8s the technology and the handling is just it's just off the charts mm -hmm. um you know i happen to i could probably tell you anything you need to know about the c3s mm -hmm. you know 60 uh 68 through 80 Two. I mean, Corvette was always pioneering, right? Was is was is, yeah. Was Corvette the first car that was like uh, mass manufactured uh, with fiberglass? Um, well, that's a good question. I don't know. I think okay. there may have been some other form. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, the first the first Corvette the, was the, in 1953, and that was fiberglass. So. They've never been anything oh, yeah. else. Yeah, right. And they had that little straight straight six right. uh, engine. But right. uh, back then, that was, you know, that was <laughs> the Blue Flame, I think it was called, the Blue Flame. Yeah, not, and, maybe not technically awesome, but still innovations in there and still beautiful. I, oh, yeah. Well, if you, you can get, if you get one of those early 53s or 54s, man, you got a, you got a car on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about the Corvette Museum. I was there, brought my son. Mm -hmm. We that's did a, a big. That's a big. Uh, that's bucket list for me. I need to do it sometime. Oh, it's awesome! You got to go. And yeah. we did a speaking event. I did a speaking event down in Arkansas or Alabama, and we did a couple different ones. And we drove back and stopped at the Corvette Museum. Mm -hmm. And this was after they repaired it because remember they had that yeah. sinkhole. The, the massive sinkhole. sinkhole. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like sacrilege <laughs> to look at all these Corvettes. In the, yeah, we've talked about that in this on the on the show here before. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and people may not know this, but mm -hmm. Corvette people will know. But there was there was no 1983 production car, and mm -hmm. they have one there. They have the 1983. I don't know if it, I think it was a prototype, or there was a very very small, just a few cars made mm -hmm. in '83. They 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 were unable to meet production for '83. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And, and, mm -hmm. and there's an '83 Corvette there at the museum. It's a white one, and it's just so cool to see it because. They didn't have a production year in '83, mm -hmm. hmm. and uh, so that was that's one. I love that type of stuff because it's just so rare. Um, yeah, I would love to then, see because because the factory is not far from there, right? Um, the Corvette factory. Yeah. It's well, Bowling, it's in Kentucky. Bowling it's, Green. Okay. The Bowling Green fact. Yeah, the, the factory is in Bowling Green, as far as I know. I, I know they moved from somewhere, but mm -hmm. I think I think the factory now is still in Bowling Green, mm -hmm. uh, Kentucky. Yeah, and, I don't uh, know if they let people do tours of the factory to see the C8. I, I don't would know. Love, I would love to see the C8 being uh, built. And, uh, you know, I can't... Look, there, I like American cars. Like, you you were talking about your Hemi. I had a, uh, a Challenger Scat Pack uh, okay. not too long ago. I think it was a, I want to say, 2015 uh, Scat Pack. Um you know, and and I love that car. The, my problem with it, and and I and I was gonna, I would have gotten a Hellcat, right? Except, like, they won't make the Challenger, the two door version. They won't make it all wheel drive. They will only make the V six all wheel drive. I'm like, what's the what's huh. the problem with you guys? Why <laughs> why would you give this car so much power? Oh, because the guy's buying it, which is true. The dudes who want to buy these, they want big, rear wheel. Yeah, they just want to. It, it's some old dudes that just want to spin out the tires well, and, and relive the glory car. days. Yeah, the you know, but I, I want some technical proficiency, sir. I'm one of those. I'm one of those. I'm one of those old dudes. I love the rear wheel car. Although I did have uh, an all-wheel drive BMW that I loved. The How way was that it? What? Which one was it? What was it? Uh, it was a three series. Yeah. Okay. It was a three series, but it was a all-wheel drive. It was. Uh, I forget what year it was. Okay. But it was awesome. It was great. I love zeros I in the zeros, the nineties. 
Do you remember? Uh, oh, okay. It was a while ago, and I think yeah. it was probably in 06. 06. Lola's putting up the link to Dan's books, by the way, for you guys who are joining us. Oh, thanks, Lola. We've got, we've got Dan Wass. Uh, he, he's an author, and he has the uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy series, right? Did I get it right that yep. time? Yeah. Yep. So, um, listen. So the all-wheel mm-hmm. drive is great. They drive fantastic, mm-hmm. but I got to admit, nothing like that muscle in the back, just... the rear wheel. Where are you going Rear with it? Drive. Where are you going with uh, it, bro? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with all this? <laughs> so listen, so my friend Babyface, I'm parked in front of his house. He might evict me from the property for this, but his dad, his dad got a um, the red eye. Okay, uh, his dad has a beautiful red eye. I've seen pictures of it. He's a he's a Tampa Bay guy, you know, Tampa dude, and it's blue everything, right? Um, I don't think he's done the 500 miles that you can freaking do oh. launch control on. Because it's to him, it's like, you know, he's an older guy, oh. muscle cars are everything. He actually rebuilds, he does a beautiful job rebuilding muscle cars. He just wanted this car to go, look, I bought this car, it has 800 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he can't even do, when I had a scat pack, I kept driving that thing around my block until it hit 500 miles so I yeah. could do launch control. <laughs> you're yeah. an all-wheel drive you're an all-wheel drive snob hank uh <laughs> no but i see i want the power i want to be able to put all that power down you know I, got I don't mind drifting and all of that one of my favorite cars was um was a honda s2000 amazing yeah i buy a honda s2000 in a heartbeat again if i found a really good one i would just buy it and put it up well, you know, yeah. the thing about the all-wheel drive, I, I really did like the way that BMW handled. It, it kind of, it just kind of, it stuck to the road differently than, mm-hmm. you know, than, than, than a rear-wheel drive car. But, yeah, I, hey, I'm still partial to the People muscle People say, cars. like, oh, why do you need all-wheel drive? It's not snowing in Florida. Oh, uh, it's not about that, yeah. Yeah, it's about it's control. Not. It's about the car. Can, <clears throat> the car can choose where the power is going. You can have, I guarantee you, so my, um, my... My V10 um, Audi R8 is about 600 horsepower, naturally aspirated, and so you can have your 800 horsepower uh, red eye. I will beat that car hands down because it's just going to freaking spin out. It's not getting 800 horsepowers down to the ground. Yeah, but, but Hank, you can't do a smoke show with that thing. <laughs> oh, no comment. No. <laughs> okay, that's – look – I wouldn't do it. Do you know how expensive those freaking tires are? Even if I could, I wouldn't. Those tires are ridiculous. I, I'm about ready to put new rear tires on my 2000 Corvette. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where I live, I live in a, in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the cul-de-sac is going to see us have one hell of a smoke show before I put those new tires on. But mm-hmm. that's just, hey, that's yeah. just fun. But yeah, you're going to go. Listen. I I understand. Like I get it. I really do get it. It's just like it's so I was so disappointed that they wouldn't give it power. And this is why like what I'm really waiting for with the C8 and why I didn't jump all in to get a C8 is I know they're going to come out with an all-wheel drive version. Wow, okay. Yeah, there there there's going to be all-wheel. It might it may be a hybrid of some sort. 
Yeah. So it may have the engine and then it may have batteries because I think they left that uh, transmission tunnel. It was real. It's real big in there and there's a lot of space yeah. and stuff like that. So I think there'll yeah. be some kind of battery set up with a motor or maybe two motors up front and then the engine in the back and all of that. So I'm waiting for that. It's going to be a couple of years, but I'm yeah. all in on that. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be it'd be different for for Corvette owners. It would definitely. I'm gonna but, you know, I'm gonna come visit you and smoke you, man. I'm gonna <laughs> the, you smoke the tires and I will beat you. <laughs> oh no. You know, we could well. do a vi we could do a video where you're driving yours with rear wheel drive and I'm driving mine and I'm like able to to take turns and do I can beat everyone. Like the one thing that I love so much about all wheel drive, you cannot beat me to a spot. There's dudes always trying to beat me to yeah. get somewhere i'm like it's not gonna happen bro i've had not teslas people in teslas try to beat me yeah they take off like i said the all-wheel drive i gotta agree with you on that yeah. they 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 take off and they grip in a way that the rear wheel drives just can't do it yeah but uh the you know corvette people people who like corvettes have have gone through a lot of painful changes and what happens is mm -hmm. we go through these painful changes but then we adapt to the new corvette and uh, the one thing that might not seem very significant to anybody who doesn't mm -hmm. know Corvettes is that when they change from the round taillights to these <laughs> to these rectangular Camaro-looking Corvette owners uh, were now yeah, it does look like a it does look like a Camaro without yeah, a doubt. So, yeah. So that's one yeah. of the wait. Things. Hold so, on, people yeah. are gonna get mad at me. It looks like a Camaro. <laughs> we're we're a little finicky. We can be yeah. finicky. People don't, people get mad with the way I say Camaro. Oh, Camaro? So, yeah, it's supposed to be Camaro or something. Is that like, like that. tomato and tomato? Yeah, that kind of thing. Lola says, "Oh my God!" With the all-wheel drive. Do you think? <laughs> uh, John Crump says, "I will take you both down with my modified all-wheel drive G70." Boom boom. Uh, I'll still beat you, John. I don't care what you did. You can't beat me. You can't beat me, sir. You know, I could probably beat. Look, my van is all wheel drive. This van, oh, all wheel yeah. drive, all yeah. wheel drive. This is pretty much a Raptor. Yeah, this is the oh. Raptor motor, twin oh, turbos. Really? Yeah, but you don't have the Raptor suspension though. You've got the one ton. It sounds like you got a one ton, right? Um, this has something the... called a sumo suspension. They upgraded the suspension on this, so now the and this is friggin' heavy. But the fastest I've gone in this is about ninety-five miles an hour. Okay. That's pretty fast for an RV. Yeah, so, so this is what happened to me. One day, a friend of mine called me. Me and Lola were driving this somewhere, and he's talking to me on the phone, and he could hear my radar detector going off. He's like, are you in an RV with a radar detector? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got so bad. He's like, how can you be driving an RV and you have a radar detector? I was like, what are you talking about? I don't want to get busted by the cops. It's like, you're, you're supposed to be going under the speed limit. Right. You're supposed to be going old man speed. Not with this all-wheel drive, man. You know, <laughs> uh, like, I, yeah, I don't drive this thing properly. I don't drive it the way you're supposed to drive uh, an RV. So I think someone asked if the GTR, the Nissan GTR, yeah, that's all-wheel drive. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good thing. So do you think that's sacrilege? You don't. You don't think it's sacrilege that... That Corvette made like a mid-engine, right? At first, it was a little strange, I think, mm -hmm. to a lot of Corvette owners. But I, mm -hmm. I like the idea because that weight distribution is is really makes a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's just just kind of cool. We have to evolve and adapt. Yeah. You know, where where and, can a Corvette go from here, man? I'm just asking you this. If people I are wondering know. why we're talking about Corvette stuff, because I have a Corvette dude here 
and I cannot yeah. resist the temptation. Like, I'm an older you, wh- Corvette dude. Okay. I'm an older Corvette. I'm I'm more of the from the C3 generation. Those those are the ones that I'm really familiar. With. Like I said, the newer ones. I'm somewhat familiar with the newer ones, but I'm not really up to date on all the all the specs. But where can it go from here? I think you made a a, a pretty interesting uh, hypothesis with the all wheel drive, mm-hmm. and uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I think that's pretty cool. When they uh, do that, they're making the perfect they're making the perfect American supercar. Well, yeah. It, it, well, actually, in my opinion, it rep, it represents more of the um, more of the uh, exotics, you know, yeah. more the European. Can you uh, can you imagine the day? So, like, everyone gets crazy about going to a dealership and being able to buy a factory made eight hundred horsepower, uh, like you know, red eye or whatever Hellcat type of thing, right? Cool. Can you imagine the day when you can walk into a dealership? And get an unmodified, factory-built Corvette that is freaking a thousand horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm there. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know exactly. How do you how do you deny that? And you know, when the first when the C when the C7 came out, that was the that was when they really changed things. Yeah. Um, and and when they unveiled that, there was the, they had this big unveiling, and mm-hmm. my wife and my son and I were sitting around the computer and we were watching it, and they did the big unveiling, and it was like, it was it was biblical. The, C7, <laughs> you know? the C7s look good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're so like, you, there's such a high demand. Now, initially, I don't know if it's still going on, but initially when the C8s came out, everyone thought they were going to be able to buy those. Um, no one wanted the C7s, and their prices went down. And, yeah, well, the, Corvette, the, yeah. Corvette, the car market in general is, is very interesting. And, mm-hmm. and because, I, because I buy and fix them up and sell them and I play around with them, sometimes I keep them for a while and whatever, I always watch the market. And I, and I specifically watch the Corvette market. And what happens is, here's, here's what... <laughs> The, the the value the value of these cars goes up mm-hmm. at a certain point. Right now, you'll see in the late '60s, and you're seeing the '70s cars mm-hmm. starting to peak. Mm-hmm. The '80s cars aren't quite there yet; they're still down a little bit. '80s and, is not as sexy for Corvette to me. Right to you because you're yeah, a certain yeah. age group. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. the thing that I've noticed: is that guys that are in their '50s and '60s usually have the money to buy these things mm-hmm. and they want the cars that they had from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So right now the seventies cars are really starting to come up in value because the guys who were kids in the seventies mm-hmm. are now mm-hmm. in their fifties and sixties and can afford these cars. Mm-hmm. So, so, so like, like how interested would you be in a 1940s car? Uh, or a probably- 50- now, I would look oh, at them. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And so, yeah. so because those guys who were interested in those cars and willing to pay the money for them, unfortunately, have are starting to die off, or they're yeah. getting really old. And the and tech they don't... is too old for me, man. The tech is too old. Yeah. I, well, I, I had a. Yeah. I, I recently bought myself a Suzuki Samurai. Okay. And I think I'm trying to remember what year was that Suzuki Samurai. I think it was like a 19. I want to say it. I think it was an 80 something Samurai. I can't even remember now, and that, and I literally had it last year. No power steering. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, so not not uh, much in the not much in the technology department. No, no, no. I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> I need but, some power steering, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I know who doesn't want power steering. 
But I think mm -hmm. what, what happens is now you're going to start to see the mm -hmm. 70s cars come up in mm -hmm. value. Then you're going to start to see the 80s cars come up in value. As much as it might be hard to believe, I'm even watching the Camaros, the IROCs, the Z28s, uh, yeah. the, the, the mid-80s. Um, uh, now, one of, those, one of those I would get if I saw it at a decent thing. I'll tell you why. Exactly what you're saying. I remember graduating high school in 1988 yeah. And all the cool dudes had Iroxies. <laughs> we want, we want the cars that represent that 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 time in our life, and that mm -hmm. time in our life is usually mm -hmm. childhood mm -hmm. or teen teenage years. Those are that we we always somehow we seem to want to gravitate back toward yeah. that. And those you, cars you remember those skirted out Iroxies? Do you do you know what I'm talking about? Skirted, like it had like the kits. Like remember the Irox Zs, and they had people had body kits for them. At least I know in New oh, York City, yeah, they yeah, had the, these crazy the body stuff. Yeah, they had these crazy body kits, and you were like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of that stuff to me looks. I don't, looks I don't dumb. know. If, yeah, I don't know if it was powerful. I don't know if it did anything. But remember, right. in the eighties, the 80s, you skirted everything. You put rims on everything. <laughs> You know, you know, it's an interesting, interesting car that my dad had when I was maybe in my t late teens was a 1977 Monza. It wasn't a regular Monza. It was a Monza Mirage. Mm. <clears throat> 1977 Monza Mirage. Hold on a second. I got to Monza this. Mirage. It was a yeah. it was a white car mm. with red and blue stripes and it had those body panels on it that were just really cool. And, and he gave me this car. Um, and oh yes, okay. Hold on, let me let me roll this. Uh, hold on. And they had V8s in them. They had a 305 in it, and for that little car, that 305 just kicked butt. Oh yeah, these are cool. I'm trying to see if I can get a. You wow. got the, it's what? What are these? White with the red and blue stripes. Yeah, what are these worth the, today? Oh. Well, I don't know, but I've been looking. I've been looking for one. I'd, I'd snap one up if I could find one. Yeah, these are actually pretty cool, man. You, when you put a V8 in a Monza, you, you know, you you uh, you got a pretty powerful car. So that so that was really cool. Yeah, that's cool. If, I like that. It's kind of like uh, Jetsons or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's and it's awesome. also got that kind of patriotic feel to it too, in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I forget where I was going with that. But I but wonder. All so you don't you don't know what these are going for nowadays? I don't know. No. Yeah, these are these are actually really cool. Let me see. I got another one. Another picture here. Usually I, I go to eBay, but I don't I, I haven't seen any for sale. So usually looked at at the completed listings on eBay to see what they're. Remember actually the louvers doing. in the back? Remember that? That was from. <laughs> I feel like I feel I feel like a memberberry. I don't know if anyone knows whether like a memberberry. You ever saw? It's South Park. Oh. Remember remember this? Remember, no. remember South Park? <laughs> There's these memberberries, these little berry creatures that they say. Remember this? Remember this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But do you remember well, louvers? So if you look at the pictures of yeah. that car in the back, the big heavy plastic. Yeah. They got the little stair step yeah. kind of louvers that yeah. come down. Yeah, you weren't yeah. you weren't doing it, you weren't doing yeah. it unless you actually had those louvers on your. Oh, that's right. Yeah. On your car yeah. in my time, in my time. You had to have a sunroof too. The sunroof was always. Yeah, really you graduated high school before me, but when I graduated high school, we were looking up to the guys your age. That like maybe went and got a job or something, <laughs> you know. Well, they, they would come around with those cars like, what the hell? What is well, that? yeah, I remember this one kid in school. Mm -hmm. He he would he strolled. He came from a rich family and he'd stroll into that the student <laughs> parking lot with a brand new Trans Am, 
like a 1980, 81, 82, somewhere in that mm-hmm. range, mm-hmm. brand new off the showroom. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my God, this is the most incredible car. So so those are cars, too, that I like, those those long body uh, Trans Ams, Camaros. Do you remember the Conquest? <laughs> Do you remember the Conquest? Uh, was that I'm an gonna, AMC? What was that? I'm going to pull one up. I'm going to pull one up right now. Let me see if I can share this with everyone. It was a Mitsubishi, but there was an, oh. Amer- there was an American company making, oh, what was the American version of this car? Of Mitsubishi? Yeah, the, it was called the Mitsubishi Conquest, but there was an American version of the con. If you look up a 1987 Conquest, you're gonna see what I'm talking about. It was it was stick shift. Uh, it was just bad. It was badassery. Uh, a friend of mine had uh, his brother had one in black, um, and I, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find a black one. And and when you put body kits on these things and all that, they were just so badass. Let me see. Here's a. Here's another picture. Uh, someone out there has to remember these Mitsubishi Conquests. But there was another... Someone's going to say it here in the chat here in a second. Like, these... these oh, man, I love these cars. Uh, someone's going to... Here we go. Florida Gun says Conquest and Starion are the same. Oh, man, these were... I remember this. I remember this. And not even, like... I think... When when uh, my friend took his brothers and we were driving around, and I think it was like 1989 or something like that, or 90, and he couldn't really drive a stick shift, and we're like rocking out to rap music. I think it was um, Ice T or something like we're listening. I think I think it was Hustle. Ah, uh, yes, I'm familiar with these cars. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, <clears throat> I had a friend in school who had one of these too. Yeah, I yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> It was. I, I always remember. We thought we were so badass driving around in his brother's car, and we were rocking out to Hustler. He had like the nice system. They were Jamaican, and he had the nice system in there. And then we got stuck at a light because he couldn't shift properly. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing. That's a buzzkill. But every time I hear that song, there's a song from Ice T called Hustler. Um, it's like H U S T L E R Hustler. I think it was from. Um, it was from a gangster movie with Wesley Snipes in it. Uh, Juice? Was it Juice? No, not Juice. Um, something like that. But anyway, I, every time I hear that song, I keep telling Lola, I was like, uh, I remember when we were in this car and we thought we were so badass driving around. I would buy one of those too. Um, and you know what? You just you just nailed it, Hank. That's, that's why we go back and we buy those cars from our teens and childhood and stuff like that is because it's it really we're trying to recreate those memories and that was a great time like you like you you were listening to what you were listening to. i was listening to twisted sister in the, right. <laughs> I know. Trust, oh trust me trust me like i said we're, motley crew and i was listening to those bands mm-hmm. and um and yeah. yeah so every time i listen to i listen to a lot yes i listen to a lot of that music because i had a lot of friends who listened to that but i kind of grew up in new york in the hip-hop in hip-hop but we listened to all of that stuff, man. My brother, my brother was hardcore rock and roll. That's what my older brother was into. Yeah. And all the sexy girls, you know, there there were sexy girls that were into like uh, hip hop. But you know, the real the the real girls that you were crazy about were walking around with twisted sisters and all that stuff. On the, they liked those guys in the tight people. the tight leather. What was it, pleather <laughs> that you guys were wearing? The hair pads, uh, spandex, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the spandex and the big hair. The girls yeah. were sexy, right? Yeah, they liked those and, dudes that look like girls. 
Well, yeah, yeah, it was, yes. it was, uh, it was a strange, it was a strange time, but still it was macho, fun. still, yeah, it's still macho. It was still macho. You don't want to get into thing. a fight with those dudes. <laughs> I remember an interview. I was always a Motley Crue fan, you know, and uh, I remember an interview where Motley Crue said, "You know, we may wear lipstick, but we can still kick your ass," <laughs> and that was the, that was exactly the point. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, um, even Prince, man, like in my time, you know, Prince was big. You didn't really want, and Pr- well, he was a little guy, but he was famous and everything. And he dressed like that. Everyone, a lot, a lot of people dress that way, right? Yeah. Um, I wore a lot of stonewashed jeans, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hey, speaking of, speaking of Prince, that guitar solo at the end of "Let's Go Crazy" uh, that's one of my favorites with yeah. that crybaby and that. Can you oh, can you do that? I've never actually learned that solo. Okay. Sometimes and this is the strangest thing. Some of my favorite guitar solos, mm-hmm. I won't learn them because somehow they're they're more magical and mystical to me when I don't know exactly how they're done. I mm-hmm. I can listen to that solo over and over and over, and I could I probably could play it, mm-hmm. but I just never learned it. I just would rather listen to it. Oh, and um, yeah, my favorite Prince guitar was solo. A great guitar player. Yeah, absolutely. He was a great musician. My favorite guitar solo, I just heard it actually today, was, is it the Eagles that did Hotel California? Oh, that, that the, the end of the Hotel California, the harmonized guitar solos, the dueling guitars, unbelievable. You, I don't think anybody's ever touched that. Yeah, it's that's, awesome. gets me, that, that's like, you know, I'm telling you, that's one of those classic things. So let me pull this, I think we got like five minutes or whatever, okay. but, um, you know... To just pull this around. So nostalgic stuff from that time. How does that come back to guns for you? Are you what kind of guns are you into? And I know this is a gun. This is a gun. We can talk about whatever here. But well, do you do you collect nostalgic stuff back from like when you were growing up, or what? What are you into exactly? Oh well, as far as collectible stuff, not necessarily guns. I mean, I have a, I have several guns, mm-hmm. but um, it's not necessarily for nostalgic purposes as far as nostalgia um i do pretty much what 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 we're talking about it's cars for me pretty much i love Mm -hmm. the old cars and you know i've had a lot of those old camaros and and Mm -hmm. and and the mid 80s stuff and and a lot of the corvettes and things like that um movies i think too movies i love watching the old Mm -hmm. movies that bring me Mm -hmm. back to that time music of course Mm -hmm. you know i listen to all i love the old zeppelin stuff i listen Mm -hmm. to this the Zeppelin stuff and mm-hmm. and uh, even the old Fleetwood Mac. I'm a huge Peter Frampton fan too. I love the old '70s Peter Frampton stuff. And those things <laughs> make movies. So even like you know, like what we're talking about. When I look at movies and they play certain music that yeah. people would listen. And the, in, in our time, even in the '80s, a lot of music was coming from the '70s that we were oh, listening right. to. Like our parents were listening to '70s music, and our friends and stuff like that, and older people around us were listening to '70s music. Those those things uh, make you know they make it. But the the thing I found is I've actually gotten into those old crazy guns from eighties movies. Ah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've yeah. got a lot of handguns and stuff, but I don't. <clears throat> you know, you I get don't the practical handguns. Is it is it tough to to have a lot of guns uh, living in New York State or? Well, you know, it's, it's, once you get your see, New York mm-hmm. State has a two tier a two tier license, so you mm-hmm. go and you get your. You take your course and you get your you, you take your test and you get your mm-hmm. your permit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, the, the first permit you get in New York is a, is restricted. It's got a restriction on it. It's for hunting and target. In other okay. words, you can only carry that gun with you for if you're going to or from hunting or target. Okay. 
Then you you wait a year. Boy, I hate this state. You you have to wait a year and you take another course, spend mm -hmm. more money, take another test, and then you get your unrestricted license where you can mm -hmm. carry everywhere except federal buildings and things like mm -hmm. that. But um, so it's a two tier kind of kind okay. of license. So, so to answer your question, it's not the easiest in New York State. Mm -hmm. uh, Unfortunately, we, we, we do it. We have we have to do it. You know, yeah. until are you ever planning to retire to a different state? Or I mean, you know, ultimately we got to fight this stuff in all these states, and maybe we can get New York back and get people's rights back. Well, we're so. we're talking about moving too. So mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I'm not sure where yet, but mm -hmm. yeah, we don't. We got a lot of real estate here. That's that's the mm -hmm. biggest our biggest. And that's tough here. to manage, right? Or, or you have to give it up to some kind of management agency, which can well, sometimes be a nightmare. You know, I've got people that do that stuff. I've got maintenance people, mm -hmm. and I've got people that can manage. But but still, you know, every once in a while, you, you got an eviction or you have an issue. You have to be in court. They want the owners of the corporation mm -hmm. in court to to represent. And you know that that could be a problem if you if for court dates and things like that. That's got to uh, be tough right now with what's going on. Lots of states aren't letting you evict people. Well, that's true too. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, we we had people squatting in in our some of our apartments for months. We had one person in there nine months not paying rent. Yeah, a and lot then, of people in New York City have been doing it. Yeah, and then destroy the place on the way out. Mm -hmm. um, so Which is terribly I, wrong, man. Like you just jacked oh, up someone for a lot of money. Why do you got to yeah. take it down too? Oh God! And and the mm -hmm. the place was a complete disaster. It was very very disappointing. But mm -hmm. uh, but you know. <clears throat> We, we, we survive. We always, mm -hmm. we always get through this stuff. Um, and, uh, so I will always have real estate because I understand the value in real estate, not only the, the value in appreciation, but the value in cash flow that it brings. Mm -hmm. Cause it, you, you can, you can retire easily on, mm -hmm. on real estate cash flow. So, so we're big fans, my whole family, my wife and my son. Matter of fact, I just bought an, another house with my son. He's mm -hmm. 22. So this is his second house, his second rental oh, cool. okay. house that he's purchased and I'm um, very proud of him because he we we're at the closing and I said look I said you're on the corporation why don't you do this and he said yeah let me so we switched seats and he signed all the paperwork <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good he understands real estate he understands yeah. the difference between an asset and a liability he mm -hmm. understands the difference between earned income and you know cash flow income mm -hmm. and he understands that you can create you can build assets you can buy assets and you can and you don't have to work. You don't mm -hmm. have to work physically mm -hmm. to earn your money if you if you apply. You're, you're working smarter instead of harder, <clears throat> you know, exactly. with, with your money. Yes. And uh, you know what? It is an important thing. It is an important thing. I hope I hope when you get out to, a, you know, a free state, you can you can uh, stack up the collection. I know, like, I'm trying to get tech nines right now because that was like what I saw in all the movies in the eighties. And even oh. I'm, in, I'm into bullpups. So I'm trying to get those bullpups in the eighties. There was so many, I know they don't work. Everyone's going to be like, Oh, they, they don't work versus the bullpups from now. And I have like a good collection of like good working, well-working bullpups, but I just like the old stuff from the eighties yeah. movies just because of the yeah. nostalgia. And if you're going to collect something, I think that's really the way you, you go. Like you're saying with cars and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have my selection of handguns too that I like. I mean, I I particularly like my 1911. You know, mm -hmm. you're a 1911 guy. Yeah, yeah. I okay. really, I think they're they're hard to carry. You can't mm -hmm. conceal them, but they're they're fun to shoot. You know, and 
and they're just a cool gun and they feel good mm-hmm. and they're the weight distribution is nice they shoot straight you know because <laughs> i just love the way they a guy who know, understands how to 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 run a 1911 will rock your world man even with oh, eight rounds in there that guy will change the magazines and all that and you wouldn't even know what hit you yeah yeah they're really cool guns yeah. so i and they just look they just look good and they feel good so mm-hmm. i like 1911s but then i have you know carry carry gun that I, you know that i like to carry that's mm-hmm. that's different you can't carry a 1911 especially here where you have to carry concealed up in new york mm-hmm. i go down to alabama i got friends down at down there bama carry and those guys you know you go down there and we do events down there hang out with our alabama friends and these guys all have 1911s on their hip it's the yes. coolest thing <laughs> yeah if you could if you and i know we're running over for everyone watching thanks for you guys still sticking with us smash the thumbs up this has been a great conversation if you can, can if you can open carry and strap whatever you want to on your leg, what are you doing? <laughs> you go oh, for me? something crazy? Yeah, what would you? You go like oh, crazy no, big. Nineteen eleven. Okay, nineteen eleven. Yeah. But you're not going crazy. You're not getting like a desert eagle. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I, I still want something that I could you know that's uh-huh. practical. You know that I could actually you know um, that I could you know the nineteen eleven. Desert eagles are cool. You could change calibers. Sure. Yeah, no, no, yeah, but the nineteen eleven, the nineteen eleven, it it suits me well. I like it, you know. Yeah, and, some it, born to be a shooter. Josh says there's plenty of great CCW nineteen elevens out there, and then there are nine millimeter versions like <clears throat> the Kimber. What is it? The Kimber Micro. Well, you know what? I, what a, you know what I have, which is. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of call it my miniature 1911. It's a P238. It's a Sig, okay. a Sig P238, mm-hmm. and that's a 380. And that's a nice. It's a nice gun. It, it's mm-hmm. strong. It's a good quality mm-hmm. gun. It's a little small. I know mm-hmm. people are going to say, "Oh, that's a, that's tiny." That's mm-hmm. you know. And, and yeah, if I it agree. works for you. It works for you, man. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I carry in my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to carry like a like a Smith and Wesson nine or, or something like that. Um. Well, I guess the shield would probably work, but, um, you know, or, you know, Glock 43, I carry Glock 43 all the time. Not, it's a little bit yeah. bigger than 380. Yeah. But ballistics, it, ballistics and rounds are so good nowadays that even 380s can, can be pretty effective. Sure. Uh, depending on what you get. So I wouldn't knock someone for that. I got into single stack with the Glock 42, which was a 380. And, and I didn't want to do it, but Gunny, I saw Gunny, you know, uh, RIP Gunny. I saw him at SHOT Show Media Day. And he was like, oh, you should try the Glock 42. I was like, no, I don't want to shoot a 380. And he said, well, just do it for me and then come back and tell me what you think. I don't care if you hate it. So yeah. can't say no to Gunny. And I went and shot it, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I bought one when I got home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, I, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Okay, listen, we hit the 2 o'clock hour, uh, or the I'm sorry, the 9 o'clock hour. We did two hours here, man. Um, I, I, had a, I had a good time. How about me you? Me too. Okay, Let's do awesome. it again. Absolutely. Let's do this again. Before we get out of here, um, I, I'm going to do a couple of things here. One, I'm going to ask you to tell the folks how they can support you or how they can find out more about what you're doing or communicate with you. Okay. Well, well, first of all, thank you. It's been a great conversation. Um, I had a great time. And thank Lola for making the connection with me. I'm, I'm glad we Absolutely. met. Absolutely. Yes. And so so I, 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 like, I like this. This is great. Tell her I said thanks. I will do. Uh, People can find my book series, Good Gun, Bad Guy, at goodgunbadguy.com or goodgunbadguy.net. I also have a web show that we do called The Loaded Mic, 
and it's loadedmike.com. Mike is M-I-C, loadedmike.com. And we are on several networks now. We're on Simul TV. We're on Right America Media. We're on Global Star Radio Network. So, and and we also post everything on YouTube and stuff like that. So, loadedmike.com will bring you to the YouTube page. Goodgunbadguy.com will bring you to the books. And yeah. I encourage everybody to, to to check out the books. I think you'll really appreciate them. Um, and uh, I, feedback has been fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got some links in the description so you guys could check that out. Um, I'm going to run in the end. Stay right there, Dan. Don't go anywhere because we're going to get you to give us the, the, the final words here. Uh, when we come back, I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us, watching. Please smash those thumbs ups. It really does um, help with discovery here, especially since we've been shadow banned. Uh, CJ says, thank you. Uh, good show. Lola says, uh, Lola's throwing up a link in the chat for your uh for, for the books and everything let me run I, in the end right now let me see i gotta manually go here here we go boom gonna run in the end all right guys thanks for joining us thanks for hanging out with us here make sure you smash those thumbs ups ring the bell we're gonna take the audio from this and put it up on itunes and all the other places that you listen to your audio podcast so please check that out Big shout out to everyone out there that's listening to us all over the world. We've got people listening to us in Switzerland now, which is amazing uh, to me. And there's so many people here in America that listen and even watch uh, the show. There's people from around the world that watch it live as well. I really thank and appreciate all you guys. All right, so Dan Moss, uh, author, hit us with some words of wisdom. You've already hit us with lots of gems, but what, well, what you got? I don't, um, it's really very simple. Uh, the Second Amendment is not a privilege; it's your right, and we need to we need to defend it. Awesome, thank you. I agree with that. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We're out of here. Peace.